everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your pal Dane Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show that me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton do sometimes twice a week where we cover wrestling. We usually have our shows up for new listeners on Fridays and then Saturday night, Sunday. Um, but we're doing one big one today to review all the the, the, the shows, go over a couple news items, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. And uh, thank you guys for joining. Um, if you're if you're past listeners, thank you guys for joining again. But let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing today, sir? Doing wonderful, man. Had to wake up and do a little bit of work this morning, but uh, yeah, everything's going great. How how was your week, Dane? Well, it's just starting, and it's always nice to start, Chris, with a conversation with you about wrestling for for an hour or two. So I'll just put it that way. I didn't mean to be that sexy about it. <laughs> I, I like how sexy you were. It, it gets me in the mood to talk about wrestling. Let's <laughs> talk about wrestling. That's a good thing to get you in the mood. All right. Well, um, you know what? This one, I actually wouldn't mind unless you have a problem with it that I can read from the website. But – I know a little bit of information about what's going on with the XFL, uh, but maybe you can break it down to to a dumb idiot like me, if you will, on the whole entire suing process. Um, would you be able to do that, Chris? Yeah, let me just pull up my notes from yesterday here. You, you were just kind of going it over with me, and I was like, oh, that's not good, but I didn't really – I don't know how bad this is. So this was his partner – that is, you know, suing the shit out of them, apparently, all of her luck. So essentially what happened is Vince McMahon laid off a bunch of employees that were due to uh, make a good amount of money. I think his contract was somewhere with bonuses, which they weren't going to hit because the season got canceled, was somewhere near $30 million. So he's suing him for the money owed and what he considers the money owed of $20 million. Um what Vince did is where it gets a little shady in which because he is the primary lender for the XFL, which he did not invest as much money as we originally thought, which is like $350 million of stock that he took out that he was willing to lose or whatever. He has a loan of like $9 million, which makes him the primary investor in the XFL. So by him declaring bankruptcy, essentially he's going to get the majority of that money back as a lender. And before he shut the league down, he basically fired a bunch of employees, um, including Mr. Oliver Luck. So we're probably going to see more lawsuits coming. It's not a good look for Vince McMahon as far as like the sports world goes, because it's not only is it kind of a shitty time to do this, but it does make you look like, while it makes you a smart businessman to some extent, it, the public appearance of it is just like another black eyed events uh, in, in a long, as far as that goes. And Oliver Luck is like kind of a well-known figure in the sports world. So, I mean, the gist of it is that Vince McMahon basically fired this guy with all of these different reasons, even though the XFL kind of outperformed what people thought were going to do, it was going to do. And then the very next day, shut down um, the XFL, which obviously spreads to any mom and pop shop that was doing printing for them and a bunch of other places. So, I mean, there's a lot of bankruptcy stuff that comes into play here, but the lawsuit itself and i'm sure there'll be more employees as well is oliver luck is suing him for wrongful termination because he didn't really do anything wrong the problem is it's got to go to connecticut which is vince's home state you know vince has got 
a lot of power there, a lot of lawyers, and this thing will probably be tied up in court for a long time. But essentially, this guy's just trying to get the money that's owed to him, the job that he did. And Vince, you know, closing the XFL is basically him getting money back on bankruptcy because he is the, in, in quotations, the primary lender of a company that he started, which is fucking weird. But somehow that's that is how it works. So that's what I have for it and pretty much what I've wrapped my mind around as far as what's going on, because there's a lot of wow. stuff that hasn't came out yet because there's going to be more employees. Oliver Luck just the same day was like, I'm suing the fuck out of him, which is I mean, if I got fired that way, I'd probably feel the same way, uh, especially when you're talking about millions of dollars. Right. As far as getting paid. Um, but, yeah, I think the um, the other things that went into bankruptcy is like St. Louis had like one one million, one point five million invested and a few other places had some money invested. But, for you know, Vince had the most money invested, obviously. The biggest thing is Vince didn't lose as much money as people thought. And also did not invest as much money as people thought and found a loophole kind of for this situation. So as a business, if you're like a fucking tyrant asshole, <laughs> he, it's probably a smart move. And this court case will probably take forever, just like any kind of WWE court case. I mean, how long did that fucking punk thing draw out? You can call them loopholes. I'll call them advances. Um, yeah. Uh, this is this is Vince being Vince, but you know this is why I think people, even though he's definitely ruthless, know him for being a good businessman uh, for situations like this. I I figured it was something on the lines of what you're about to tell me, but man, just crazy craziness. Um, just a lot of I don't know floating parts. Like you said, it's going to get to the point where it's going to get back to uh, a situation in which other certain things that Vince has gone around or, or been able to manipulate is going to, you know, come back to bite him. And we're going to see more of that, but just interesting situation. Um, it sucks because, you know, like you said, it wasn't doing that bad. Um, and then obviously this happened. This is something that's, you know, not, no one saw coming obviously. Right, Chris? Yeah, and I mean, I think the original idea is Vince was willing to dump more money in once he got TV contracts, because the idea was, the idea was he was going to get a big TV contract similar to WWE, be able to push this thing and the NFL's offseason, and before, you know, college football starts to kind of fill a gap for football fans, and if it went, you know, the three years it was supposed to go, potentially the talent would have gotten better, etc. Obviously, he has no control over those things. More of the problem is just kind of the shady way he fired players and i feel kind of uh, terrible on, i mean kind of terrible on my end too because like i put him over for saying he was going to pay all the players for the rest of the season when they shut down the xfl originally and then all of this shit starts coming out and then he folds the doors on the xfl even though he was originally willing to lose 350 million dollars on this investment um he obviously sees that you know there may not even be a season <laughs> well for the xfl probably would be because it would have started started in the summer or whatever but obviously he saw this as a red flag and just shut down the doors and then you know as much as i did give him credit i will go back to when this shit come out three years ago when i said this was a terrible fucking idea still stand by revamping the xfl is a terrible was a terrible idea even though it was fun and kind of successful it was still a bad idea as far as vince getting back involved with sports and, and now we're seeing that unfold 
Strange. And now the 24-7 champion, Rob Gronkowski, is on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with his good friend Tom Brady. Do you think Tom's going to get that championship gold this season, Chris? No, I mean, him having Rob Gronkowski there and Tampa being a pretty decent young team is going to give him a shot. But, like, the Saints are still in that division. Carolina is going to be probably better this year, and the Falcons are always a threat. So they got to make it out of that conference um, in general. You forgot who you're talking to, Chris. I wasn't talking about the Super Bowl. I was actually talking about the (laughs) 24-7 championship that Rob Gronkowski currently has. Do you think Vince is going to be like, hey, go talk go talk to Tom. See if he wants it in five seconds, then roll him up. They'll be great. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta definitely specify with me, man. I watch a lot of sports. <laughs> I didn't even think about it going in. That you would think that I was perceiving it as that, but I mean, it makes sense, obviously, why. But like, that, you're 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 running it down. I'm like, oh, he's going over the the football season. Oh, okay, gotcha. All right. This no, is that, this is how I sound when I'm talking about wrestling or UFC with people. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, <sighs> do I think that he'll get? I mean. If they're smart, they'll try to do that because, I mean, as big as Rob Gronkowski is, he'll never be fucking Tom Brady big. Tom Brady's like considered the Tom Brady, ex-WWE champion. <laughs> I think they should they should leave it on Gronkowski and then whichever defender tackles him at the beginning of the season for more than three seconds or whatever <laughs> just wins the title. Just ship that title all around the NFL. <laughs> hey, I'm down, man. It's a... Uh... Scan down to that. But yeah, going back to everything, you know, this is some some sleazier things. Uh but it's kind of to, to be expected. I mean, it's a pretty ruthless thing, especially when stuff like this happens, and I'm not gonna expect billionaires to, you know, um take into consideration everything. Now the weird thing is when we get the SmackDown, we got a little bit of an emotional moment with Vince McMahon on air, which was fucking strange. Uh, but you know, as, when it comes to this, cut ties. He got the fuck out of there. He basically, you know, said screw it and uh, threw it in the trash. And uh, yeah, I guess that's really it. Do you have any uh, closing statements about this? No, I mean, I really wanted the XFL to succeed, and I think that a lot of the people that were involved with it, even you know Oliver Luck and, and the coaches and the players, this obviously sucks for them because a lot of, I mean. This either means that they got to go back to the Canadian Football League or play in Europe somewhere. Just in general, like the XFL closing sucks for a lot of other people that's not Vince McMahon. I can really care less if Vince McMahon loses money or not, unless he just you know does what he did where he fires a bunch of fucking people, which sucks as wrestling fans. But think about everyone that's affected yeah. lost their jobs in the XFL. Like that fucking sucks. Uh, so just from just from that standpoint. Um, I mean, honestly, when he came out and said he was willing to lose $350 million, even if they shut the season down this year, with Vince being as creative and figuring out ways to make sports happen, I am surprised that he gave up on the XFL in a time where other leagues are trying to figure out how to make sports work. Like, the NHL is trying to figure out how to play games with no fans. Like, there's different other leagues trying to figure out how this is going to work and vince is like the one that's actively currently doing it with wwe (laughs) so i'm surprised that you know he didn't figure out a way to like try to finish the season um i guess 
we'll never really know because it's Vince, right? But either he wasn't getting the TV offers that he thought he was going to get, and then this happened. And like I said, being a primary lender, you're able to file. He was able to file for bankruptcy, recoup some of that money. I heard that like. I think it was Dave Meltzer that said this. He's only lost like $20 million in this thing. and He hasn't lost much. With the bankruptcy thing, he's going to get like $9 million back. Right? So <laughs> it's it's just – it's more more so, like I said, for everyone else that's involved in the XFL, this really sucks. And hopefully, you know, Vince gets called on this one and has to pay the people that he should be fucking paying. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we've seen Vince get out of worse, like, the steroid trial. Oh yeah, those good times. All right, well let's talk about let's go down that list of people that I just want to talk about a couple of them, kind of give an update for some of the people that were listed uh, as of last week that were let go of the company or furloughed. Some of them, obviously, the, the idea is try to get them to wait it out, but they can't pay them and then try to get them back. Or some of them were just completely let go. A lot of them originally in the last couple of months previous before getting new contracts were asking for their release. So a lot of that. Um, but there's been, you know, things said and, 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 and whatnot between certain people. I'm going to go over some of the bigger ones. Uh, Carl Anderson, uh, Carl Anderson, along with Rusev was talked about with Arne Anderson saying that, he he would really love to pursue those two indivi- individually and kind of talked about Rusev saying that Rusev is very impressive because after getting himself over, he was able to get himself over again and pretty much another time. Um, and even I think he's the one who suggested maybe it was Conrad Thompson that Aiden English could go with him and really tap into that potential. Um, it seems like. EC3 is taking pictures. Chris Jericho just reposted a video from a long time ago of him and EC3 basically, uh, you know, uh, hanging out together. He's got a new look going for him, and he seems to be pretty motivated, I would say. And then Drake Maverick. Everything. We're, we're going to talk specifically about that with Rob. Very, very weird concept. But uh, I'm not 100% sure with that. Uh, let me go through the list and some other people that were mentioned. Well, obviously, and then JR said some nice things about Rusev, saying that any company would be smart to grab him, and if he had control, he would love to be able to get him. Um, and uh, Zach Ryder, obviously, we, we talked about Cody, um, saying some nice things about him. And then Dolph Ziggler promoting his stuff in the funniest way. But uh, what, what, what do you think about all this, Chris? I mean, the the names that are coming up are the ones that we kind of talked about. Um, and the biggest question mark, once again, is, is any company really going to be willing to spend the kind of money it would potentially take to lock up Rusev under a contract or Anderson or Gallows? Um, but I could, like I said, I, I mean, to me, it's still the four that we talked about last week, like Ryder, Rusev, and the club as far as people that AEW would be looking at. But uh, I don't know. The Jericho posting something about EC3 is interesting. I just, you know me. I just, I, I guess I just never have seen it with EC3. He's got to look more at visual. Yeah, exactly. It's good on the mic, but not. He's fine in the ring. 
He did have a really good but, run in Impact that I've been watching lately, where he went like eight months undefeated and then feuded with Michael Bennett, who's also someone that got released. Uh, it was probably the best stuff of his I saw in Impact. <laughs> like looking back on it, but I mean, yeah, just still, it's not. I don't know. I've never been super impressed by the guy. That being said, I feel like that you know WWE within their system had a guy that knew how to work on a camera and was had already been in development mental previously. They forced him to the main roster and then they fucked the guy over for like a almost two years. So I, I do feel bad for EC3. I just don't know where he would fit in the mix of what AEW is trying to do. I mean, that makes complete sense. But a lot of, like we said, a lot of these guys, you know, they'll end up in different places. Um, honestly, being a part of WWE in any way, I think, is uh, something positive. Um, you know, Mike Kyoto, I feel like that's another one that, for some reason, you know, even though he's a referee, uh, I feel like Cody's going to try to grab him. Um, that one's weird, man. I know that's more probably on the furloughed concept, but still, he's been around since 1989. I mean, I would arguably say him, Robinson, and Earl Hepner, of course, are the, probably the three most known in my era. I I wonder if he's going to end up coming back when if business picks back up for WWE to some extent. Like you said, I, I do think that may just be a furlough type deal. Because he's been around so long and has been such a part of WWE, maybe he is getting paid well above the rest of the refs there. I mean, I don't know this to be a fact, but you would assume if someone's worked for a company for 30 years, um, they would be get, getting paid as they've worked for that company for 30 years, but it's fucking WWE, so you never know. I, I would, I mean, the thing is, is if he goes somewhere, how do you utilize him other than just being a ref until, unless you do one of those ref storylines, which are always terrible. Like, oh, this ref's crooked. It's the storyline's never good. It never <laughs> so. happened. Fight Aubrey Edwards. Is it Aubrey Edwards? Is that the name of the ref? Yeah, uh, Audrey. Yeah, Audrey. That'd be yeah, yeah. Terrible. That would be fucking great. <laughs> she like probably demolish him it. though. Yeah, <laughs> like she's in pretty fucking good shape. Kyoto's like an old man. <laughs> fucking Earl Hemner with the run in. <laughs> That's a good question. What happened to Earl? Because that was one of the things they signed him to AEW. He did the one pay-per-view and then just kind of fucking rode off into the sunset, I guess. Is What does his son do? I think I've seen him in MLW. Does he do anything like Impact or or um, whatever the hell else? Ring of Honor? What, Not that I Earl's... know of. He was in Impact for, he was in Impact for a long time, uh, honestly. And they even did once again, I think this this can kind of kill refs to some extent. Uh, they've done ref storylines with him at Impact. So <laughs> ref storylines are just never good. Like, they never turn out the way. Like, they did one with Neil Patrick. They've done, obviously, with Hemner, they try to recreate the screw drop all the time. Um, or tease it, at they least. Did? <laughs> so I just, it's not good. <laughs> but, um yeah, yeah. He, I, if he's an MLW, that's awesome. I, I, last I saw him, he was an Impact when Earl was still working in Impact. So that's been a while. Earl is just classic, man. Earl Hepner, he kind of represents wrestling to an extent, you know. 
Uh, love that guy. I mean, he called probably some of our favorite matches. And exactly. He's always going to have the the stain on him of doing what he was asked to do, <laughs> as we all know at this point. Yep, I would I would say so. Well, now that we're we're, we're done with the news, um, and I'm sure there's going to be a couple news items that will come out of these show reviews. Um, let's talk about the shows. This last week we got Raw, we got NXT, we got AEW, we got SmackDown, and um, just to let you guys know, just just to give out the spoiler warning, uh, the shows on Wednesday were my favorite. So if that was weird, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but either way, Raw had <laughs> stuff, SmackDown had some good stuff, but we'll get into that. I want to talk about this whole Drake Maverick thing, Chris. Um, Drake gets let go. He puts on something online, very passionate speech, and the rumor in innuendo, nothing proven, is that Triple H really responded to that and is trying to tell Drake that he likes him creatively, he likes his drive, he thinks that he has a lot of potential, and it's kind of more what is assumed is trying to be furloughed, if you will, of one of those guys that can come back once they can pay them. Um, but either way, if that's not true... Very bizarre to make us watch these vignettes that we saw of him, you know, really, really build up the fact that in this round run, round robin tournament, he's only got a couple matches unless he advances on. And obviously, breaking cave fade, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so this could be it. But then they really, they really went into it. And it rubs some people the wrong way a bit because I guess, like, you know, Part of it is that some people think that it's just a work, maybe specifically with him. Um, I don't know. I have no idea exactly why they went about it, but he lost to his opponent. Um, and, you know, he's got other it's, – it's round robin. It's not bracket-styled uh, tournament. But uh, what, what did you think about all this? Do you think that if, 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 if he is on his way out, it's kind of – I don't know, dem- demoralizing to include like him crying after getting fired and trying to build it up the way that they're doing it. Well, I would think that after getting fired and released, anything that you post on your personal Twitter would belong to you. So if if it's not in some situation that they're going to bring him back and do something, he should sue the absolute fuck out of them to like sue them into the ground because i mean he is still a person they fired him from the company he released a passionate video and then they try to use it in storyline so if it's not that he's coming back then he should sue the absolute fuck out of them if possible and you might as well jump on that uh was it wrongful termination suit for xfl um it is weird and the way he came off in that video was not like this is a work and I'm not really released. It it came off very genuine and that he loved the company and it was like a goal of his to work for WWE and there's so many people he still wanted to work with and so much more that he wanted to do. And I think that's why it resonated with a lot of fans and uh, why a lot of fans feel kind of like, I don't know, this is kind of shitty to highlight this, to like try to get over with his legitimate Twitter video of him getting fired, essentially. Um, but I mean, if, if, if triple H really saw that and was like, fuck this there, we can fire like two other people and get him back and we can do something with this guy. then that's awesome. And I hope that is the case because 
he came off very sincere about like I worked my ass off in all of these different promotions and you know TNA Impact, um, PWG to some extent, kind of all over the place as uh, Rockstar Spud. And he finally made it to WWE. They didn't do a whole lot with him. I mean, they made this man piss himself on camera, and he took it with a smile. Yeah. He just did everything they asked of this guy, and then he gets fucking let go. And it's not that because he was a bad worker. It's just because they didn't know what to do with him. And then he posts this emotional video, and you know, as a fan of Rockstar Spud, or Drake Maverick, whatever you want to call him, it sucks. Like You're like, this is like... It's very shitty to that extent. But if the idea is that they are going to bring him back and it really did inspire someone like Triple H or someone in the back that has some kind of authority, it was like, this man's really fucking passionate for this company and this business and this is a guy we should keep around, then that's amazing. But you could also say the same thing about Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, who didn't you know, post a emotional video about it, but they fucking love wrestling, specifically WWF growing up. I mean, you could do this with the majority of wrestlers. Like, half the reason people show up in WWF is because that's what was from their childhood and what they love. There's no other option. Like, if you're a WCW fan, you ended up being a WWF fan. Um, so the fan outlook of of being upset by this, I would say definitely be upset about this until proven otherwise. Yeah, and I think that's a good way of looking at it. And Rockstar Spud unabashedly says that the two people that got him, or at least made him believe that he could get into wrestling, were Spike Dudley and Sky Tuhati. So, you know, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of firepower when he's in the ring. For being a smaller dude, he's able to bring it. And uh, I kind of I I I feel like it teeters towards the fact as a wrestler specifically to Vince, it doesn't translate. Because even when he was the commissioner on 205 Live, he had that match where he kicked the shit out of Mike Bennett for for kind of insulting his family. But other than that, he didn't really have a lot of uh, uh, wrestling. Uh, you know, he was a manager, and um, he, he did a little bit of commentating as a commissioner on 205 Live. So if you're going to use them in a way, I don't think that that's a bad idea necessarily to – have him do a lot of that type of stuff. Wrestle still on 205 Live, and if, if, if Triple H wants to have him in matches, um, he's still an efficient wrestler. I mean, I, I, I don't think we've gotten him and Leo Rush would be, I think, a lot of fun. Um, but also, he contributes in a way that him and Jeremy Borash worked so hard on some creative stuff, you know, involving the Hardy Boys and EC3 and and helping develop storylines with them. And we're both, you know, talked about by their fellow wrestlers being extremely creative. Jeremy works at NXT, you know, and maybe they also see that potential in him as of just being a creative force. Basically he's a utility player and he can do a lot of different stuff for the company. If they were to use him as a, a heel manager, that's much more mischievous and didn't do what they fucking did with AOP you know, that would be actually something probably beneficial for him as well. There's a lot of different places for Rockstar Spud, a.k.a. Drake Maverick, I think. I agree with you, and I thought the roles that they asked him to fill, as dumb as they were, he tried his best at. They were just dumb. Like, AOP went from having Paul Ellering as a manager, a legend. AOPP. 
like a fucking Hall of Famer manager to Drake Maverick, like pissing himself. Like that's just fucking bad writing, and there's nothing he can do about that. But he sold his ass off, and I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, just overall commentating and, and uh, being the I, I should say being the general manager of 205 Live. Um, I didn't know as much about the creative stuff. That's very interesting as far as I'm assuming you're talking about the Hardys and Impact. And I know that he specifically took a pin from King Maxwell, which is like great, <laughs> a great fucking King Maxwell is still undefeated. He's going after Goldberg's record, uh, <laughs> which is great. So but funny. It's so great. And the fact that he's willing to kind of do anything and he just loved, like he came off as someone that genuinely loved his job in WWE. And a lot of people are there. The, some of the people they fired were asking for releases. And this guy is like heartbroken on camera. Like I really love this company. I mean, if I'm him, I, I mean, if it's me, because this is just how I would react to them trying to hire me back, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves, honestly. But I'm not Rockstar Sputter Drake Ma- or aka Drake Maverick. Um, but it, it hopefully this works out for this guy. And I mean, I think there's definitely ways you could use them, especially with 205 Live, like putting not 205 Live, but the cruiserweights in NXT. You're telling me that I've watched this guy have matches. With so many people over the years, there's you're telling me there's no way he's like the same size of uh, Jack Gallagher. You're telling me there's no way yeah. that you can make him fucking work in the ring, like f- fuck off <laughs> to some extent. And I agree. I would even say, Chris, you know, outside of uh, outside of WWE, I think I I don't know a lot because I haven't watched that era of TNA. Too much, but apparently he had a lot of great chemistry with EC3. If uh, EC3 and him were to show up on NWA Power as like him being more of an aggressive manager, uh, tap into a little bit of heat, and if you will, representing his client with EC3 kind of being Kurt Henning, if you will, still talking and being boastful and shit like that, that would be a great combo, and I could totally see them working in that situation. I could see them coming home to Impact. You know, um, that's another combo idea that obviously both guys can do stuff separately, but they've been packaged together. They tried so hard to do the same thing in, you know, both NXT and especially on the main roster. Never, ever worked out, but it seems like they like to collaborate together as being that manager, you know, um, wrestler style duo. Yeah, and I I could... I could definitely see that. I think NWA would be kind of a perfect landing spot if they're able to do another season. And um, I mean, at least Corgan seems like he's definitely still trying uh, as far as NWA goes from everything I've seen, which is great uh, in, a, in, a, in a time of uncertainty. He seems like, no, I still love wrestling and I'm still going to do wrestling shit, which is awesome. Um, I would love to see that. I think that would be really great and i think ec3 is a great fit there honestly i mean he could come in and be the guy that kicks the shit out of nick aldis legitimately you're like oh fuck i remember this they feuded before Uh, i'd love to see him and uh eli drake have like a little bit of a uh you know a little bit of a, a feud if you will for most macho man i guess yeah and and a lot of that goes back to um 
some of the stuff in Impact, right? You can build off that. And I mean, even if mm-hmm. you, even if they went back to Impact, you could, you could still build off that. But with NWA, you have some great Impact wrestlers that are there and kind of a built-in storyline if they wanted to do something. But you know what? At the end of the day, whatever makes Drake Maverick happy and the most money, that's what he should do. So if it's going back to WWF <laughs> or WWE, yeah. that's completely what he should do. I just know me personally, if I just got shitbagged by a company and then released a video of myself being very emotional about it, and that's why they wanted to rehire me, I would tell them to go fuck themselves. Yep. It, but then again, it's also hard being the wrestler that works for WWE to tell WWE to go fuck themselves. But, hey, I think that Drake has enough by himself to be able to prove that he doesn't need WWE necessarily. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm getting at. I mean, they, they released this poor guy. He makes this very emotional video, and then they highlight him on fucking Raw, and Triple H is like, oh, I reached out to him because he touched me so hard during this, or whatever the fuck is going on with that. But it's it's kind of insulting, because you didn't give a shit about me yesterday, and now you give a shit about me because I'm getting 20 reactions, is the way I kind of read it. Because I don't, I mean, Vince McMahon, like I said, fired a shit ton of people earlier like later in the week and then folded XFL and is now getting sued. So my believability on the uh, WWE in general, giving a shit about any integrity. Yes. They do not have the, uh, what is it? The three eyes of Kurt Angle who also Uh, is released. Integrity. (laughs) uh, Incompetence. Oh yeah. That's it. (laughs) You suck. I love Kurt Angle. All right, um, before we get into Raw, though, I, I kind of remembered something. I was going over it a little while ago with the uh, Zack Ryder. I, I just wanted to say that pretty funny of Dolph Ziggler, and I'm wondering if he got shit for it, posting you know, a picture of the merch and the link to the merch for Zack Ryder that says, not there, um, I'm assuming signifying WWE, and said, do not buy this merch, my worst opponent of all time. Terrible wrestler, but obviously they're really good friends in real life. Uh, I asked you this: Do you think that? Do you think Dolph got some heat for doing that? Especially since the shirt says "Not There" in reference to WWE. I don't know. Dolph's been wanting to get out of there forever, and then re-signed a contract. I don't know if he's just being comical or being Dolph, but you know what? Like, if they're gonna try, maybe they play it into a storyline like they did with Cole Cabana or something. But good for him. Like, those are his friends, and he probably feels like they got the short end of a stick to some extent. So while I'm not a huge Dolph Ziggler fan, I do appreciate the fact that he in in some ways stuck it to the man as much as he could, I guess. Yeah. W- w- what I want to know is like when he found out about all the cuts, do you think he ran to his computer and he was like, all right, all right, all right. Fuck. Cause like his <laughs> name wasn't on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he, this man can't get fired, even when he says he wants to leave and wants to he be comedy or whatever. Uh, You're like, no, we need you there. <laughs> it's like, it's hey, gonna be interesting. Hey, pal, how do you feel about getting super kicked 15 times by Seth Rollins and losing? Sure. I mean, Maybe he's in kind of the same the same boat as Cesaro, which I assume Cesaro is happy being in WWE or whatever. But yeah. It's like if he went elsewhere, like, fuck, and you could skyrocket the person, right? Because I mm-hmm. I have to assume to some extent Dolph Ziggler just always being the same character has a lot to do with the machine that's WWE. I'm sure there's other things that he wants to do. 
I would have to agree with you, man. All right, so let's get into Monday Night Raw. It opened up with uh, Drew McIntyre uh, gave a promo uh, about the meaning of WWE Championship and what it's like to hold it. He said that he decided not to make Seth Rollins jump through any hoops and will fight him at the Money in the Bank uh, for the title. Andrade sneak attacked uh, McIntyre but ate two consecutive Claymores uh, for his trouble, while Zelina Vega, Angel Garza, and Austin Theory all were from the ramp. Basically, or uh, whatchamacallit, Selena got uh, Drew distracted. He got hit by Andrade, but was able to come back with those two Claymores. Uh, one, I love it that Selena was like, go in there, go get him, go get them. And like Austin Theory like, and, and Angel Garza are looking at each other like, I don't want to fucking go in there. And finally, he gives him the second Claymore, falls out, out of the ropes. Um, even though she had one out of three matches that were that, that were a victory for her, I am liking this Selena Vega uh, faction, and um, you know, it's uh, it was it was interesting, um, but yeah, I, I guess there there's something I got to really praise Drew for later on that he attempted that I, I I don't think I've ever seen him do, but as of right now, he's coming off very charismatic, he's coming off still kind of dominant with the way that he does it. This reminds me more of NXT uh, Drew McIntyre that I actually did like. Uh, that didn't do the same fucking thing as soon as he hit the main roster. And uh, I'm excited about this match with Seth Rollins. My only question is, is Kevin Owens just not wanting to leave Quebec because of the situation and that's where he's been? Because I still don't understand how he's not next in line and Seth basically cut. Um, what do you think about this opening and that statement, Chris? Let's see, It's a really good question about Kevin Owens, honestly, because – the whole reason he didn't want to do the Saudi stuff, one was Sami Zayn, obviously, but the other is that his family wanted him to be safe. So maybe it is a situation where he just doesn't want to leave Quebec or whatever. We haven't heard anything like that. I think they don't have any fucking idea what to do with him, honestly. And uh, that's sad because I think he's one of the best wrestlers they have. But uh, as far as the Drew McIntyre promo and everything that ensued at the Angel Garza and uh, Selena Vega, that whole crew. I love all of that stuff. I think it's great. I don't know where it's leading to because the end result is Seth Rollins, not that crew. So they're kind of just in the mix to have Drew McIntyre punt people in the head, which I'm not super stoked about, but it's, it wasn't bad. We'll say that it, it they've done worse and more atrocities, more atrocities at the beginning of shows. Um, but yeah, the Kevin Owens question, I still, I mean, me and you have been talking about this for two fucking weeks. Like how, how the fuck is he not even mentioned in Money in the Bank or the pay-per-view? And maybe that's going to be a surprise. Maybe that is the surprise is that Kevin Owens wins Money in the Bank or something. Who knows, man? It definitely could be. Well, you know, we have a couple spots open. We'll find out more about that. I'll try to, when we get the SmackDown, look up the list of, competitors that have made it i know that there's like i think two or three more spots available but uh next match that we had was austin theory going against alistair black for the qualification match to get in said uh money in the bank match it's a great match man austin theory's bouncing off everything i really like him his strength and his look very very much reminds me of like the chiseled like a uh, Chris Benoit styled wrestler, you know, that Danny Richards, um, just very strong, very cocky. And 
you know, Alistair really gave him a lot of offense. Um, I think they see something in Austin Theory, or he's taking advantage of something, and he's proving himself, which is awesome. And before I go in the match, actually, it kind of makes me want to, like, just say that I'm very proud uh, of Southern Honor Wrestling. Uh, you know, something started by Shannon Moore and Raven that DDP and Jake the Snake Roberts have helped out with. I've only gone to about four of their shows over the last, like, two years. Uh, but we're starting to see so many of their stars turn up on – no, maybe not so many, but Sunny Days was the weird mankind face paint guy in the Battle Royal for AEW. We haven't seen him since, but still. Uh, and then we obviously have Austin Theory who's one of the top guys there. Logan Creed is now getting bigger and bigger in MLW, which is weird because he's already fucking huge. Um, and uh, Alan Angels, Austin Theory's uh, his nemesis, uh, the leader of his faction. I forgot what it's called, but he fought Kenny Omega. So, And then Danny Jordan, who's been on both NWA and on AEW. Now, one thing they have going for them, especially in AEW, is that it's – taped Norcross, and a lot of these guys were trained by QT Marshall over at his gym. But nonetheless, man, cool to see a lot of Georgia wrestlers. I would love to see the uh, the Southern Honor champion, AC Mack, get a chance, or Joe Black. I think both of them are incredible wrestlers. But um, or, or the Jungle Kings as a tag team. Even if they're squash matches, man, they're exposure. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that Angel was able to get as much offense in the Kenny match. We'll talk about that later, but you know, I kind of brought this up to you, Chris. Pretty cool to see the biggest Southern-based uh, wrestling promotion, uh, Southern Honor Wrestling, have a lot of their people recruited by NXT and AEW right now, and MLW. Yeah, I agree. I think that's awesome. And, I mean, I mostly knew Austin. I haven't watched as much uh, Southern Honor Wrestling as you have. Um, but, you know, I remember Austin Theory from – evolve and when you look at some of the people they've brought up from the evolve uh roster such as austin theory or shotzi blackheart as prime examples they're great i mean gabe sapolsky still is a fucking really good booker and knows talent when he sees it and they should rely on him more to do shit uh even at in at the nxt level specifically to some extent but uh as far as the, the only thing I didn't like about this match is it means Austin Theory has to take another loss. and He has been the fall guy for this group, which if the idea is the group is eventually going to turn on him and then you're going to have like a breakout moment from that, that's fine. I just don't know that that's where WWE is going with it. And I like I said, I just don't necessarily like this. You put a faction together, I don't necessarily want them taking losses like week after week. Yeah, no, I, I also agree. At least it's with Aleister Black, I would say. So it's one of their guys that's undefeated so far. But uh, another another person I wanted to say kudos to is A.R. Fox, who taught a lot of those guys, including Austin Theory. And even though he seems to be happy about doing a lot of, uh, you know, training, Southern Honor Wrestling, wrestling there, I mean, this guy's been over CZW, Dragon Gate, Evolve, uh, Lucha Underground, uh, PWG, Impact, so... Yeah, like I said, some Southern love over here. We don't just have AJ Styles, man. We got some new people coming out all the damn time. Funny enough, I think AR Fox and AJ Styles trained trained at uh, Mr. Hughes's wrestling school. 
uh, originally. So that's it's it's fun to see this kind of stuff trickle down, at least from the Atlanta wrestling world. And that used to be the case when we had the power plant and stuff, but that was more hey, jack jack dudes versus like AJ Styles and AR Fox, etc. Hey, bro, you know, all I'm saying is, like, this is, like, the same time for hip-hop for us when, like, Ludacris, Outkast, you know, T.I., all of them were on the map. So, yeah, we're blowing up, man, over here. So so what you're saying is the beat, you got your beat down low? <laughs> I got my <laughs> beat laid back. down low, down low, down low. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that, man. Don't even get me started. Uh... <laughs> Hey guys, if you uh, didn't know, we're from Georgia. <laughs> yep. Hey, T alien motherfucker. Yeah. Anyways, um, all right, so let's move on. But yeah, I thought it was a pretty good match. Um, like I said, you got a black mass after the match. He was interviewed about uh, how he'll win Money in the Bank match, even though he doesn't know much about corporate life. Such a stupid fucking statement. Charlie probably is the one who said it too. Sorry, they always give her the worst lines. Uh, give it to the robot. Uh, but each floor of WWE headquarters will be hell for his opponents was his statement after that. Uh, then we had Shayna Baszler interviewed about breaking Sarah Logan's arm last week. She doesn't think she went too far at all. She was like, what? I, don't, I, I didn't do anything. Do you think that Sarah Logan uh, – well, not Sarah Logan. That's not that that was her last time on television – but do you think that Shayna Baszler went too far? And do you think that Aleister Black is going to be fucking up motherfuckers on his way to the uh, corporate level, if you will, in Titan Tower? I, I don't know how I feel about this shit. I don't either, because the end goal, he's just going to wrestle Triple H when you say corporate level. Like, does Triple H already have him pegged as the guy? I'm Shokan in this bitch, motherfucker. <laughs> Keep on going up the tower. <laughs> no, I mean that's when you talk about when you start talking about the corporate towers, like who the fuck is he gonna wrestle Triple H? And that's the actual answer is just Triple H wants to wrestle Aleister Black, which would probably be a good match, honestly. Um the thing I want to see, I would love to see him win money in the bank and maybe even still do a triple H uh match. For some reason in my mind, I want someone to be on the top of that ladder and him just fucking roundhouse kick the shit out of it <laughs> and just a big bump. Like a huge bump. I think that'd be like Black Mass the Ladder. No one's ever done that. That'd be great. Um, Can we get but, Tom Cruise in this to take a huge <laughs> bump? Yes, yes. Off the building. Be. Off the building. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the corporate tower thing still. It's just It still reminds me of that WWE video game where you just fucking murder poor construction workers or whatever. Um, no, yeah, so. Outside, I thought this was a pretty good match. It's just one of those things, like I said, I, I don't know that Austin Theory needed to be the guy here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shayna Baszler, yes, she's just going to be murdering people for the next little bit until they can try to rehab her from losing. Because they don't well, have anyone else for Becky to go against. Well, it, it's weird that you say murder because afterwards, Shayna Baszler defeated... India Hartwell by uh, referee stoppage after Shayna stomped on her arm. Afterwards, Shayna continued beating up Hartwell, ultimately putting her arm through a ladder and then kicking it. She's not too happy about losing to Becky, I I don't think, Chris. (laughs) No, it doesn't seem that way. But you know what? I would love for if they wanted to come out and make some rules against Shayna where it's like, oh, if you do this, you're going to get disqualified and you'll never have a shot at the title so that she has to wrestle like 
straight instead of murdering people, that would be very fucking interesting. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. It's definitely happened before in wrestling, but uh, like, you know, like for instance, UFC, if you you used to be able to elbow people in their spine and they took Mm -hmm. that away because you can like legitimately kill someone, that would be a fun gimmick to put on chain. It was like, we had to put rules around her specifically, which are always the most fun rules in general in any kind of sport when you have a specific rule for one person. <laughs> so if they made one specific rule, like just for Shayna, that would be, that could be a really fun storyline that she still has to wrestle around and overcome. And I think it would give a little bit more to how good she is in the ring. Um, and they're not going to do this, but I, I, I enjoy just her murdering people. I just think that if you wanted if fantasy booking wise, I think that would be a really cool thing that they could do. No, I'm I'm down for that. I, I definitely dig. Um, I don't know. Shayna Shayna's scary. Uh, she she likes to beat up people. And uh, who who do you who do you like bullying more between her and Charlie Caruso or uh, Sheamus with Michael Cole? I swear to God, Michael Cole looks like he's about to shit his pants every time Sheamus comes near him. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, you cut out for a second. <laughs> Oh, I apologize. I said, which bullying tactics do you like better between Shayna and Charlie Caruso, where she looks like she's about to rip her head off, or Sheamus with Michael Cole, where he goes in the field position? Sheamus with Michael Cole, specifically because Charlie has, they don't let her have any personality at all. So someone bullying her is kind of to be expected. She's just basically one of those Star Wars droids that clean the floor. Unless, <laughs> on the Death Star. Unless Angel Garza says something to her in Spanish, and then she is. Ooh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> this really just proves how good fucking Tony Schiavone is, because it really does. On the on the other show, <laughs> there's a guy that's really good at giving these interviews. In fact, you could even make a fucking statement to be like, Jeremy Borash is actually fucking better than most of the people in WWE. I would I would rather watch Josh Matthews on fucking Impact interview people. Let me just put it that way. Um, I think Cole's been yeah. doing a decent job considering what they've what they've given him uh, recently. He keeps, he keeps on getting like like humped or like you know someone all up in his grill or you know licked by by Biggie. It's like you know it's 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 unnecessary. Social distancing is is something serious, guys. <laughs> I would say poor Michael Cole, but I don't really give a shit. All right, let's go to the next match. Uh, another match, man. Cedric Alexander and Ricochet going against Brandon Vink and Shane Thorne. If you couldn't tell, since Brandon Vink had the best physique, uh, Jerry Lawler was talking about him constantly. He really, really liked uh, Brandon Vink. They all did great, man. I mean, Shane Thorne's not a bad wrestler, um, but Cedric Alexander and Ricochet, this was uh, they won two, then they lost to the Viking Raiders. Formidable po- uh, foes, I would say. And now they they won again against uh, Vink and Thorn, but I like some of the uh, the uh, you know um, tag offense man. They're they're getting crafty. I like you know uh, what you call it Ricochet, and he always makes it look better. I think most of the time, but he does uh, Chris Jericho's move with one arm or no with one leg, bounces him off into the lumbar check, which is the opposite area, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool. But um, I'm liking them as a tag team. I like their matching gear. You know, it's 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 uh, going to be interesting because Raw doesn't have the most um, fluid tag teams, I would say. 
Uh, I don't even know if they have any other tag teams, to be honest with you. So, cool. Anyways, what would you think, Chris? <laughs> I like they got a win. <laughs> I'll say that. Poor Shane Thorne, <laughs> though. This is a guy they were trying to push not that long ago in NXT, and now he's just uh, just kind of a dude. Um, I the the spot the Jericho spot you're talking about that that was really cool and I don't know man I'm still on the fence about the Cedric Alexander Ricochet thing maybe they're gonna actually try to build them up and give them some wins and I do like the idea of them as a tag team it's just Ricochet could be so much more in so many different places yeah. and it still makes me sad and same with Cedric Alexander to some extent also Cedric Alexander they should come out to Cedric music always because his music's fucking better than Ricochet's it is I agree. Used to dream I had about. Anyways, um, we had Asuka and Kari Sane uh, had a backstage interview about Sane's match with Nia Jax. And as you would think, Asuka just said, um, you know, a bunch of, of aggression uh, in Japanese and then said that tonight nobody would be ready for Kari. Oh, Lord. We'll get there. In the gym, Bobby Lashley said he was going to demonstrate how easily he can flip a tractor tire. Lana said that if you're jealous now, just wait until you see him in action. Uh, either segment. Do you have anything on him? <laughs> fucking stupid. Doesn't like Seth Rollins just fucking CrossFit for days flipping those tires or whatever? They should have had him pull a I truck, Mark Henry can. style. Remember He's Mark bigger Henry than Ben just... Affleck. <laughs> Do you remember when fucking Mark Henry used to just take pans and like 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 stovetop frying pans and just bend them yep like have him do something cool like that like flipping a tractor tire like at crossfit like we see everyone do that it's like see how easily he does this like fucking on twitter charlotte flair's doing it with natalia <laughs> on their instagram it's like all right I, I mean i get it but it yeah that did nothing for me and then uh Fuck, I was hoping that no one was ready for Carrie Zane, because this would have been a big win if she just went out and murdered uh, Naya, but that is not what happened. And murder is, once again, a, a key word here, leading up to this match. Murder was the case that they gave me. Uh, yeah, Naya Jax came out, Kari Zane's in the ring. Let's give a little background, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this. Um, Ronda's initial comments, Ronda Rousey's additional comments, didn't really bother me as much outside of the uh, fun fake fights comment, but I don't think she was trying to be as derogatory as it is. But since she doesn't have much of a backbone and fucking people piss her off so goddamn easily, look at her UFC end. Um, the second comment definitely pissed off a lot of people, including Nia Jax, who called her out uh, before previously on uh, Divas for roughing up uh you know, Lexi, uh, which is her best friend. Kind of strange. She did the fucking same thing and gave her a concussion. Uh, long story short, the breaker of faces on accident um, just proves how awesome and adequate she is in this match by taking Curry Sane. And I don't know if she's trying to go for a buckle bomb, but she just threw her into the second turnbuckle. Uh, if in the audio, and who knows, man, I, I, it makes it sound like. Uh, Kari said, like, I'm not ready or I'm not positioned or some shit like that. Either way, bad. And then she uses a said thing to talk shit and say, look what I did to this girl. I'll, I'll take you, Ronda Rousey. So after you talk about how much of a botch artist 
Ronda Rousey is and whether or not she is, you then go and use a botch to cut a Twitter promo on Ronda Rousey. Fucking stupid. Just because you're part of the Amaloa family, you must have been one of the ones uh, on the end of the goddamn tree. Like, my God, <laughs> Yokozuna was more was more safe in the goddamn ring and agile than you. Jesus. <laughs> Do you ever see that video of Yoko taking a clothesline and doing a flip? Yeah. Well, it's the fucking Rikishi best. did it all the time, but, yeah, Yokozuna <laughs> was a fucking monster. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, yeah, what can I say about this? Nia still sucks in the ring. We weren't proven wrong, even though she came out and bashed on Ronda for being unsafe after that. All that shit came out such weird timing when we released the show. Because uh, we were talking about Ronda, and I was like, I think Ronda was pretty good. I think Ronda was pretty good for like six months of training. I mean, like, you know, she hurt one person. That sucks. Uh, but like, and I was like, but Nia Jax, she's very unsafe. And then she's like, you hurt my friend on Twitter. And then the very next night, she like basically a week later, she almost kills poor Carrie Zane. And the same spot that Sting broke his neck in, basically, or fucked his neck up to the point where he could never wrestle again. And uh, Jim Cornette uh, has basically said the same thing that we've said in the past. Who gives a shit about the buckle bomb? Just stop doing this move because. <laughs> It never ends right. Like, it ruined Finn Balor's universal title run when he's at the fucking pinnacle of his height in WWE. It it fucking injured Sting. Almost killed Kerry Zane recently. I'm sure there's other people that have been hurt by this. Like, Samoa Joe can't do a fucking muscle buster, but you guys are fucking still letting the buckle bomb go on? Like, fuck off. And also, yeah. not once again, Nia Jax just is... She's been wrestling for almost, what, four or five years at this point, if you include de- developmental. She's just not good. <laughs> like, if you can't have a good match with Carrie Zane, who is one of the almost only female wrestlers to ever go to, like, Dave Belcher five-star match, I don't know what the fuck you're doing with your life. Probably you should probably shouldn't wrestle. No, I mean, there's plenty of things to do within her family that doesn't involve wrestling necessarily, so I agree with you. Do something else. Uh, anyways, um, Seth Rollins cut a promo about how he and Drew McIntyre have a lot in common, but Seth's proven uh, to be a leader, which Drew is not. He accepted the WWE Championship match for Money in the Bank because the WWE Universe needs a leader. All right. Um, the fact that he doesn't have... His his crew think it's good. Take away from the fucking cult leader. That shit wasn't working. But to me, the calm, you know, much more in tune with himself, even though he just lost at Mania. Um, I, dude, I, I'm sorry. I keep on going back to it. I hate to sound like a broken record. The best version of Seth Rollins. I'll give the the time period when he was a babyface and he did the gauntlet match. That time period was very great. He. He showed a lot of potential, and there's a lot of booking stuff, you know, him getting involved with with uh, Becky, which kind of hurt them both booking-wise. But his best version's been the architect and the one that will do anything, like kind of like a concept of, of an ultimate opportunist, like Edge. Like, he'll do anything to fucking win. He's heelish. He's an asshole. He's full of himself. That version of Seth as a heel I like. This one... I don't really know what you're going for. I really don't. I'm going to be honest with you, but 
we'll probably get a good match out of him and Drew. How did you like this promo? Huh. How does Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre have a lot in common? Um, they both have black hair and the, the beards, and um, they do kicks. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, one of them absolutely murdered Brock Lesnar recently at WrestleMania. <laughs> the other one used a rubber mallet against Bray Wyatt. Uh, they don't have a lot in common. They're not even the same, like... In fact, you should separate how you're different. You should not be like, oh, we have a lot in common. You're not there. No, <laughs> it's not that. Um, I, so I hated this promo for the most part. And I've hated most of Seth's promos. And, I, and honestly, I don't think it's Seth's fault to some extent. I don't like that he blames the fans for being wishy-washy over what they've been giving him. And hopefully one day he like, and maybe he already has, and we just don't know it. But one day he just like flips the shit Dean Ambrose style, and he's like, "I'm just gonna fucking write out this contract. I'm gonna go somewhere else and be really good." Because Tyler Black and Ring of Honor is fucking awesome. When oh, you had man. chicken shit, you had chicken shit heel Seth Rollins. He was fucking awesome. If you give Seth Rollins good shit to do, he will do it very well. But you can't make someone make chicken salad out of chicken shit, dude. It's a fucking terrible gimmick. It, and now AOP can't even be there. And it's Buddy's just splitting off. <laughs> yes. Let, so let me ask a... you, would you would you prefer this interpretation or more the architect chicken shit heel, you know, boastful that style that we, we already saw, basically the one that won the fucking uh, title in WrestleMania with Roman and fucking Brock fighting? You know, like I don't I like that version. I don't like this version. I like that version as well, but I will say this. The time to actually turn Seth Rollins' babyface was when he came back from his knee injury, and then they just had him turn heel. So they fucked themselves. They had the Triple H pop when Triple H returned to the Rumble with Seth Rollins, and they didn't learn the first time, and they definitely didn't fucking learn the second time. That would have been the time to do something really cool as far as Seth as a babyface, but Seth just doesn't come off as a babyface. You have to have oh. him overcome so many fucking obstacles for him to look like a babyface. And this version of him as a heel is, unless you have like a crew of demolishers, you've already told us that Seth was a chicken shit heel for two or three years before that <laughs> knee injury. He's the guy that hit the, sh- the shield with a fucking chair and then hung out with Triple H. So like, I know like WWE doesn't like to look back in history. But the fans remember that, like, this isn't some kind of badass who is a messiah, especially not against someone that just fucking kicked Brock Lesnar's head off. It's just not believable, and the promos aren't very good, and they're very scripted. And they kind of remind me of the Aleister Black promos when he was sitting in the fucking dark. Oh, God. It's just bad. I don't know who's writing this shit, but, like, I don't know. Like, throw some fucking 1987 WCW on or something. Come up with something better. Or or just let the guy fucking talk and give a reason why he hates Drew McIntyre. I mean, I hate to say it's go back to being, and I mean, it's the same thing anyway. It's kind of like a Triple H <laughs> style concept like he was when he was a heel because it's not just the big noses. They're just, that's why they're, they're not lovable. And there's a lot of elements between the personalities, especially that era of 
Seth Rollins with Triple H. So, I mean, just make him be a really hateable heel. That's chicken shit. We'll do whatever the fuck he wants to get done. But also, you know, in ring wise is obviously more efficient and can put on good matches. I, I, it seems easy. That's all I can I'm say. Gonna, I, I will give credit for Seth because when they did turn him babyface and he had that run, I thought that run was really good. The problem is, is they brought in like fucking Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans and then had him do a bunch of bullshit and the fans turned on it. And that's not the fans fault. It was just bad. You give us four months of a bad top baby face, we're not going to like it anymore. You can call us wishy-washy fans or whatever, but like fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin's not doing a goddamn intergender match and like being called the man's man. Like he's fucking yep. always Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Rock is always The Rock. Hogan is always Hogan. To be the top guy, you got to be the fucking top guy. You can't fucking to have the man. doing bullshit. You got to beat the man. <laughs> I agree, and you want to know uh, what else? It, when taken from that, some other terrible shit were these uh, short video clips of the Viking Raiders making up their song, eating turkey legs around cul-de-sacs, still with T-shirts on, but with what the fuck was this? I really, Chris. I mean, I think I might have said this to you. If not, I just don't understand if if Vince wanted to redo demolition and kind of just give them a badass heel manager and just make them dominant and give them similar look, I think would work better than this fucking Viking shit that I think is terrible. And to know that like they're acting all cheery and maybe this was videotaped not too long ago, but one of them, Eric's wife got canned. It's just so goddamn cheesy. And uh, I just didn't get it being Turkey legs. They're making like a little hum ho song. Like they're fucking the dwarfs and and, and and Snow White or some shit, and <laughs> they're they <laughs> it was so terrible. What what did you think about this? I concur. It was really bad, and uh, it sucks because War Machine was a great tag team, and they fired the one Viking, actual Viking, from the the one guy. Like like they should be coming out like Eric Rowan was when he was with Daniel Bryan with just fucking Norwegian metal shirts on and shit, like. <laughs> like, if you're from Viking descent, you don't dress and act like a Viking unless you're Marty. Marks. <laughs> yeah, Posers. Fucking poser Vikings. Uh, no, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I just don't get it, and I don't understand why you need this big, brutal-ass tag team to have a gimmick anyways. Why isn't their gimmick just murdering people? That's illegal. Well, okay. Why isn't their, their gimmick breaking people in half why is why is there not just a good manager for these guys and in fact like they actually don't cut bad promos so why don't you at least let them explain why they're vikings and not just have them do a viking montage (sighs) i agree all right well we had mvp cut a promo uh putting apollo cruz over as a gifted athlete but saying uh he'll beat uh cruz because of experience you know and I, what we thought was going to happen kind of happened yes mvp's been involved in ladder matches in the past but i feel like his new position is kind of wrestler to put other people over and eventually kind of a manager role and then a backstage producer style role which good for him uh he had a pretty good match with apollo cruz and apollo cruz beat him uh for the money in the bank qualifying match cruz hit a blue thunder driver to pin mvp i liked mvp's shit talk you know, that you could hear, he's like, he's like, I've beaten Batista. I've beaten the big show, you know, and just 
being cocky and arrogant, <laughs> caught up to him, and he ended up, you know, getting uh, lost in the shuffle. Paul Cruz will be a part of that group going to the building to get to the top. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. It's so weird. Anyways, but um, how'd you like this? How did you like this use of MVP and that Apollo Crews uh, will now advance to Money in the Bank? I love that Apollo Crews is going to be in Money in the Bank because I feel like that guy has been underutilized and will probably be really fucking awesome in that match. And I like the Agreed. idea that he beat MVP because it does play into what we were talking about of him if they do go that route of him collecting a little group, if he gets beat by MVP and then beat by like one other person, he could start a faction of some sort, which would be really entertaining. And I love that they've kept MVP around when he just had two dates originally. <laughs> I mean, I hate that other people got fired and they're still keeping MVP around. I think location has a lot to do with that because he's obviously he's from Dade County, Miami, and probably now lives in Tampa. So that probably has a little bit to do with it, but Utilizing MVP is great, man. MVP is a guy that I remember fans loving and never really got the push that we wanted, kind of like Christian. Like, they were all, always kind of in the same category. Or Carlito. Um, or Carlito to some extent. Um, but, yeah, like, it's great to see him involved. I love the shit talking. I thought the match was really good. Apollo Cruz has been fucking – give the guy time Phenomenal. to wrestle. This, he can have good matches. And it's been great to see him kind of come back from hell, like claw his way out to have good matches, whether, you know, the matches he had with Aleister Black was fucking incredible. I know he lost, but at least we got to see him on TV again. He gets a win here. He's going in Money in the Bank. He'll probably be great that. Hopefully this is like the resurrection of Apollo Crews. Yeah, and I mean, think about it. When Kurt Angle had his... His real last matches, uh, besides the one that he was kind of forced to with Baron Corbin, on the on that road, you know, I think he went against Samoa Joe, and he either went against he went against Eric Young, he went against a couple people that he's worked with in the ring before. He might have ended it with AJ Styles, I'm not 100% sure. But two of the guys in an interview that he chose was Shag Abel and Apollo Crews, and he said that they have infinite potential to him, especially with their agility mixed with their Olympic based, you know, grappling with wrestling uh, and, you know, personality, I think has always been, especially Paula Cruz's problem, but man, I'm hoping that they get to really show off themselves within this or he does. I'm, I should say, I don't know what happened to Chadwick Gable. I think he's um, on a meteor. Shorty G. Don't Shorty, say that. talking about Shorty G. His there Christian name. No- <laughs> There's no, that is not his Christian name. It's bullshit. You call him by his Christian name, Shorty G. Oh, Fucking God. Olympic athlete. You give him the nickname Shorty G. If I was him, I'd take a shit on whoever wrote that desk. Chris, Chris, I mean, all right, he does. And I, I think that Jason Jordan is a tremendous wrestler. Okay, I really do. They have a great tag team. One isn't an actual Olympian. Looks just like Kurt Angle. Does all of his moves. You know, Jason Jordan does a couple of them, but they're both like, you know, they're both styled as that style of wrestler. Who's going to be Kurt Angle's kid? Jason Jordan. Gotcha. All right. That makes a lot of fucking sense. I mean, the actual answer is they want to play off people's fear of mixed relationships because Vince is racist. (laughs) If you want to throw it out that way, that's probably it. It's, it's It's not something that if you spotlight it, 
and make a big deal out of it, you're just trying to get publicity, and that's not a positive thing. That's actually more of a negative thing. Really. Are you saying WWE does negative things sometimes? Um, yeah, quite <laughs> consistently. We we okay. probably already covered about 80 of them throughout this whole entire fucking thing. <laughs> yes, but all right. So I will I will say this: Chad Gable is fucking incredible. I have no idea what fucking brand or roster he's on at this point, and if he's wrestled in the past month. No idea. But he's not no fired, clue. so that's a plus. Is it a plus? Because, man, <laughs> I feel like a place could fucking take him and make him a top guy. When he had that match with AJ Styles when he first broke up with American Alpha and was doing really well and got a win over AJ, that was impressive, and they didn't do a goddamn thing with it. Another Here, person. a real question. Why the fuck did they break American Alpha up to have another tag team? I don't team know. One of the, the best tag and- teams. Yeah, One like, of the best tag teams they produced. It was like it was like Team Angle 2.0, and they fucking I don't know, man. It was stupid. They were really good, and that was better than the Kurt Angle storyline. It's just them being good against the Usos in the New Day and whatever other tag teams they came up with, like them versus AOP or Viking Raiders. There's so much more you could have done with just American. If you if you didn't think that if you were not a hundred percent sure that Kurt Angle's son storyline was gonna work. You should have just kept them as a fucking tag team. So, so did Kurt Angle just mess around with uh, Booker T's wife? Is that what happened? Isn't that what was insinuated? Basically, and and uh, what should we call it? Uh, Impact, I believe. All right, well, whatever. You know, maybe we're maybe our timelines are wrong, but um, we'll press on to uh, more pressing matters. How about that? <laughs> our and timelines a- are wrong. Fuck. <laughs> WWE just ignores history. So. Oh, God. <laughs> what are you talking about dinosaurs? There's no fucking dinosaurs. All right. The yeah, backstage interview. has a Tyrannosaurus Rex head in his office because he's Vince. That's a fact. <laughs> of course he is. In a backstage interview, Ruby Riot uh, said she was the one who did all the work for the Riot Squad, just completely put the other two under the bus, uh, and Liv Morgan defeated her. And... I got to say, man, Liv Morgan's getting better in the ring, man. I, I think that we keep on saying that. Ruby Riot's a great dance partner, uh, I would say. But uh, Liv got the win, and she will be advancing. Um, good stuff, right? Do you yeah, care? Yeah, yeah. So Liv Morgan, I think, has been getting a bit of a push, and it has looked much better. But, you know, they didn't give me a lot to review beforehand with Liv Morgan. She was kind of just there as a squash partner. I still think Ruby Riot is the better character and wrestler of this group. And I, like you said, I think Ruby Riot's a great dance partner. If they're behind Liv Morgan, then that's good. She looked good in this match. Uh, also, I like seeing the flatliner again. As dumb yeah. as that sounds. That's, I always thought that was a cool finisher, so that was cool to see that that's kind of Liv's new finisher. I guess. Has she done this before? Has she hit that before as a finisher? Has she ever wrestled? Well, no, I'm trying to remember because it's been a long... I mean, because she came back and then feuded... She came back and kind of feuded with Lana, but those were mostly just out-of-the-ring brawls, and they didn't really follow up on it. She took a bath. I remember that. (laughs) Well, look, the Flatliner's a cool move, and I'm glad to see it back in wrestling. As I, I agree with you. And speaking about Bobby Lashley and Lana, back in the gym, Bobby Lashley was all warmed up to flip the tire. Lana called him hot, and then Lashley did not flip the tire and uh, tried it again. 
and couldn't get it and finally did. And then she cheered him on and said that nobody but him could flip that one. Besides, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of people. But uh, this is good. I really, really care where Bobby Lashley's going. And I'm so excited he's still with Lana um, flipping tires. That's it. I'm passing it to you, Chris. I don't have anything else. It's so, it's so much, so much tires. I don't care. I don't care about Lana. Is it making you, is it making you tired? It's making me remember how bad this three hour show was and, and, outside of some good wrestling is what it's making me and i'm not trying to be a dick but like i thought they were breaking up lana and bobby lashley i guess they might have heard that rusev's probably getting signed somewhere and now they're like ah we're really gonna stick it to you that's because <laughs> they're gonna have sex on raw <laughs> they're gonna have a lot of sex <laughs> they're gonna have the fucking lita edge angle just throw PG out the window. Corona. <laughs> Let's get it. Corona. <laughs> Let's hire oh Russo. God. What's Russo well, doing? <laughs> hey, bro. I'm not doing anything. I'll come back and work, bro, but only on the magazine, bro. <laughs> I, I would love to get WWE magazine. Me too, man. I miss those picture sections of Trish where I was young and I didn't understand why I felt so funny in my pants. Uh, <laughs> we all did. We love you, Trish. You're a saint. And love you, Trish. Famer. And Stacy Kleebler and I was like, I don't understand how legs are that big. Why do I care? Oh yeah, I'm going through puberty. Anyways, let's keep on going. Um, we had actually had one of the one of the highlights, a good match between Rey Mysterio and Murphy, and uh, qualifying for the Money in the Bank match, and back and forth, really uh, fast paced. Uh, you know, Ray's just. I can't believe for his age he's able to do what he does. And honestly, I can't believe this wasn't like a situation with MVP where you think Ray's going to win. And then Ray's like, I don't really want to do another fucking ladder match. And then Buddy Murphy gets in. But, you know, Austin Theory should hold his head high with some of the people that are losing when it comes to MVP. And also uh, Buddy Murphy, who's had quite a push as of lately. But uh, one of the better matches on here, I would say. Let's say you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I thought this was a fun match. I was on the same page as you, as we talked about last week. I thought Buddy Murphy was going to end up winning this match just because I'm like, why are you going to put Rey Mysterio in a ladder match? And now the only thing that sticks in my mind is, is he going to try to do some kind of weird ladder 619? Like where the guy gets trapped in between the A pillar of the ladder and then he does a 619 through the ladder? I, I guarantee you he's going to try that spot. Ray, please don't die. Like, don't injure yourself for this match. Do the least amount of work. Let other people fall off shit. Hopefully Kevin Owens will be there somehow, and he'll be the guy that falls off everything. <laughs> oh, God, I don't know if I really want that, too. <laughs> well, Durable I, mean, so. I, I don't want that either, but every time he's in one of these matches, it's like him and Sami Zayn basically kill each other and fall off everything. So I'm just assuming it'll be that. Hey, so Kevin, do you want to go up the ramp um, and just do a fucking senton at AOP? Sure, as long as they catch me five minutes later. I, um, I, like, I like to think that he came out with that on his own and fucking, he just sucks, but that's, that's me. <laughs> God, I can't believe we still have a good bit of this. This is just raw, for Christ's sakes. All right, anyway, so Zelina Vega and Angel Garza had a backstage interview. 
where Vega was upset about Drew McIntyre attacking uh, Almas again when he was already hurt and added that it would be a shame if Drew didn't make it to Money in the Bank. Ooh. And then Charlotte Flair came out. She had a match with Caden Carter. Kane's another one, man. I think she's up and coming. Um, I'm loving some of these people Charlotte's uh, either choosing or is working with. Uh, we know that Io Shirai is at the next pay-per-view, and she's having a match with Mia Yim next week, and we'll kind of go over that on NXT. But uh, I think there has been a lot of plus sides with this negative of, of, of having to get the title off of Rhea Ripley due to everything. And Charlotte being able to have matches with some of this younger talent, like a Caden Carter, or some of the seasoned veterans within the NXT. How'd you like this match, Chris? I liked the match a lot, and I thought Caden Carter looked good in it. And it's a good win for Charlotte, because like you said, she's got to be that person right now, uh, to some extent. And you know what? She's a fucking flair. Ric Flair could make jobbers look good and would sell for them. And I'd love to see Charlotte fill that role and fuck it's hard to say that any other female wrestler is as good as she is i mean i carry saying is great and so is oscar but i don't know that they're like there's something about the height of what charlotte is i'm really looking forward to the style clash of her and yoshirai that should be fucking awesome it'll be fucking great they have so many great female wrestlers it's absolutely insane there's so many good matches they just gotta get they just got to book them. <laughs> like, they just got to yeah. get there. Don't put Bianca Belair with the fucking primetime players for like a one-off or whatever. Like, have good-ass women's wrestling matches. It's all the world wants. <sighs> like, you just want good wrestling. Uh, but, yes, I thought the match was very, very good. And then there was one lead-up question, but I don't remember what it was, so it probably sucked, and I don't remember what it was. I was, don't worry about it. Selena Vega oh, bitching. So, yeah, Selena Vega yelling about stuff. But like I said, they, they caught a bunch of L's earlier in the show, so no one cared. Well, Andrade got a win for her, uh, beating Akira Tozawa and another awesome back-and-forth match. Kira did his running senton off the side of the ring, and this time, Jerry did not make a uh, comment of calling it the ramen noodle roll, which is good. Uh, but I will say, in all honesty... On commentary with um, Selena Vega and her 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 interactions with Jerry and Byron Saxton, she is really good, man. She is a fucking excellent manager. Her answers are perfect. Like, why would I tell you guys my strategy? Like, shut up. Reminded me of old school heel uh, manager mentality. And uh, Andrade won uh, with the hammerlock DDT off the top turnbuckle. And it looks like they're positioning slowly. Even though I th- he lost, like Andrade wants to take out Drew McIntyre, and that's how he beat him. So I'm wondering if that's if he, instead of just doing the hammerlock DDT, he's going to start doing it off the top rope, you know, for a reason. But uh, who knows? Um, I just both of these guys, man, Akira Tozawa, he he is he is way more agile as is everyone compared to past generations. But he reminds me, his personality reminds me a lot of Tajiri, and I, I, I appreciate his antics. But uh, Andrade, man, fucking good match, good ending. And Selena got her, uh, her her only win for the night out of her three competitors. How'd you like this? So I really like the Andrade match, but I think Andrade's incredible. So the, there's that. The Bianca Belair stuff was fine. It is what it is. I already said I didn't like it, so. 
there's that. And then uh, the Drew McIntyre Angel Garza match I thought was very very good, but once again with oh, the exception we haven't we haven't we gotten haven't there yet. yet. Okay, yeah. Well, we'll get yeah, there. this is just Andrade and uh, Akira Tozawa. And Akira Tozawa we put over last week. I think he's great. He's uh, unfortunately kind of in a role of taking losses right now, but having good matches. Modern and- Jiri. <laughs> modern to Jerry. Yeah. To some extent. I th- I could I definitely see those comparisons, like you've said in the past. But uh yes, I am very glad that Jerry Lawler didn't say some half cock shit on national TV. Um How do you like um, Zelina um when she does these uh when she does commentary? I think she holds her own really well. I like it, but I also like the f- her interfering in matches yeah because outside of outside of maurice i think well her and maurice i think are the best (laughs) well her and maurice are like actually the best at it like we i complimented maurice so much in the build-up to uh that cena uh whatever his girl what one of the bellas (laughs) yeah so that intergender match they had they really let maurice be like an old school heel and i had there's something about just someone just jumping on the ring and, and being that old school shit back heel that's very nostalgic for me. And Selena's able to do it, but also able to hit someone with a hurricane rod on and like yeah. really affect the match. So I love her becoming kind of the leader of the group and being on commentary, but I also really miss her interference in the match because it's part of the reason why these people would group with her, similar to Jim Cornette. Like, why would I? care why do i need this person to manage me well it's because they also fucking can get you a win <laughs> yeah yeah i agree with you all right let's go over these last two matches uh like you were alluding at earlier we have the street profit center dance a bunch of byron saxton all right i will say cameras come back they first get announced it goes commercial it comes back montez ford is just dancing as crazy as possible and you see Byron Saxton like doing this little doo-wop jig in the back, and it was the funniest <laughs> fucking thing because of the reaction of of Todd Phillips, like, "What the fuck are you doing, Byron?" And uh, yeah, th- that made me actually pop. I was laughing pretty hard. But they introduced Bianca Belair and uh, s- stuck around for commentating for God knows what reason. And Bianca Belair beat Santana Garrett um, and pinned her with the uh, KOD. So even if this is a situation where they're going to be hyping each other, she doesn't need hype from anyone. I would like her to be by herself. I'm going to keep on saying that. But she got a win over Santana Garrett. Um, and then basically Drew McIntyre destroyed Angel Garza. There was a little bit of, of back and forth. My favorite part being when Drew tried to go for the Claymore, Angel jumped over the ropes. Drew grabbed his pants and they fell off. That was pretty uh that was pretty entertaining. But, yeah, a lot of shenanigans from the whole entire uh, Vega family. And after the match, he hit Garza with the second Claymore to make a point to Selena Vega. Austin Theory got in the ring and Drew Claymore him, too. Like, Selena Vega's like, go, go. And he's like, I don't want to go in there. Like, boom. <laughs> Knock the fuck out. I like the last two matches. I especially like this Drew McIntyre. I liked it when he went up chasing them off and then – you know, did the uh, the tranquilo right on the fucking uh, rampway. He just looks like he's in his element, and his element is without a crowd. So um, it's kind of impressive. He's he's dealing with what he's got. How'd you like the ending to Monday Night Raw? Still not a huge fan of Drew McIntyre in the ring, but I think he is doing well with what they're oh, giving him. And 
I'm we'll sorry, I did not I did not mean to cut you off, but I completely forgot. So Drew McIntyre has once in a while I've seen him, I think more so in the indies, do uh, a running stent on flip where he holds the ropes over it. He did a tope con hilo, and it wasn't the Kenny Omega style, but for someone his size, I thought it was pretty impressive when he took out all three guys doing that. Sorry. Not the biggest fan of Drew McIntyre in the ring because I think he's very slow in plotting, and that's just not my favorite style of wrestling. But he's doing a great job with what they're giving him, and he's made this character fucking work. And that kick is was super over with the crowd, and probably even more so now once we're able to get a crowd back in. I don't like that he just ran through this entire group. And I don't necessarily think it's the best idea to position them against him because now fans are just going to see them as the guys that Drew McIntyre kicked the shit out of. So from that standpoint, I, I don't like it. I like that uh, the pants spot you're talking about and with Angel. And, uh, you know, if you're just trying to make Drew look great, this is fine. But if you're also trying to build a faction, probably not the best idea. But Drew's doing great. And, and like, I think Drew is a good wrestler. It's just not my favorite style. Did, did you expect him to, to, to do that jump uh, to the outside, though? Because that completely fucking threw me off. I was like, really? You're going to try this? I was surprised by it, but the match needed a spot. I'm just surprised they didn't have Angel do the spot. So that kind of did blow me away. But if you go back to like uh, some of the stuff he did as, as Drew Galloway and Impact and uh, Overseas, he's done stuff like that before, so I'd seen it. But I definitely was surprised they did it in a WWE match with their champion in front of no audience. So, yes, from that standpoint, it was very surprising. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely didn't see that happening. All right, let's move over to um, to uh, NXT, shall we? And um, so I guess we got to kind of talk about this. I want to make it very brief. Um, I'm not judge, jury, executioner, as I wish that everyone out there would not be. But we're about to talk about NXT. One of their main players is one of my favorite wrestlers right now. Velveteen Dream, and some allegations got started um, from him, from someone on Twitter that said that they had received uh, from his fan page pictures of him in the buff, basically, naked. Uh, And these people were underage. Um, Now, uh, this is such a... I'm not trying to cut down the website, but I know that Ringside News is definitely known for their salacious headlines, uh, TMZ more style concept. They definitely like to get you with the clickbait. Uh, the reason why I said that is because of how they handled the initial report compared to how every major outlet handled it, especially when Velveteen Dream made a comment saying that it was false information that he got hacked. Remember, Paige got hacked not too long ago from her cloud account. And we all know about that. Same thing happened, and he had nothing to do with this. And he's has uh, uh, some pe- he has lawyers and people looking into this right now. So there is that. Um, but there is a lot of questionable stuff uh, from everyone. Like I said, all the websites I go to, uh, whether it be you know uh, whether it be the Wrestling Observer or whether it be Wrestling Inc. A lot of those different types of ones that I trust, Bleacher Report, 
there's they're not really they're not catering towards this as much as the defense of Velveteen Dream and him saying that it wasn't him, he got hacked and he's looking into it. We gotta take it at, at face value at that, and I'm sure a lot more information. But ringside news, like I said, salacious headlines. And speaking of salacious headlines, Ryan Satin, not trying to call him out, used to work for TMZ, likes to report stuff like this, did not cover anything related, which I find a bit weird. Um, I've heard from other people on the internet that ringside news. Isn't he currently under contract with WWE though? So even no, if this was um, a shoot. under Fox, he's not. He's not for. A, he still covers stuff that's that's kind of dirt uh, against WWE because he works for Fox for their programming. For their, okay. Their, but just to basically wrap it up, um, so that same website came out and kind of just mixed up Dave Metzler's words. Their headline was Velvet Dream Dream could be in bad trouble with WWF after recent accusations, WWE, I mean. Um, while no one else is reporting this, and it came from a quote from Dave Metzler who said, I've got a lot of questions out there looking for answers. On the surface, it doesn't look good for him. We'll see. It's a tough one. It could be real bad, but we don't know. I mean, you know he denies it, so who knows? So there is no – he basically – that was the most political-style fucking statement you could possibly have made. Within that headline, no other major outlets are looking into it. They're all just kind of going with what he said with, with his his response to the initial reports. So because of that, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt until there's bigger stuff. And, you know, of course, Twitter started crucifying him right away. Let's give the man some space until there's any type of stuff where we can actually believe this as being true. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Force comes so. Chris? I mean, this is a very weird one in the sense of it's one photo, and you would think you would have a trail of evidence if it was like we were talking about before the show, something like Ryan Adams, for instance, who I like as a songwriter, had a trail of 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 text that this person had saved that definitely implicated him in doing some shady shit, right? This is just one photo, right? That's what we have is one nude photo and some comments by a random account. Uh, yeah, a nude, photo, a nude photo and comments towards a couple different people that basically said, this is Velveteen Dream, blah, 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 and then showed the photo. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's not. it wasn't from his actual accounts from what no. I read. So it's like... To me, you have to take this one with a grain of salt. And I mean, this isn't the same situation of Enzo Amore where there's like a court case and yes, I did sleep with this person kind of situation. This is just like some shit happened on the internet. Who knows? And I'm not saying that it didn't happen or the accuser's not. I mean, the fucking internet's a weird place, man. Let's just say that. For all I know, this could be a dude in his 60s just thought this was funny. Um, like much like the Tessa Blanchard, what was it, the the shit thing that Jim Cornette had on his show? Keep in mind, there's a lot of ways to manipulate a lot of things to sound differently than what they are, as far as images and shit. I mean, if that image was already out online, anyone can grab that, make an account, and send it to someone. Now, that being said, I guess we'll see. And as Dave said, not to give the political answer, but <laughs> Dave Meltzer's original response. 
is the correct response because no one's going to know unless someone investigates this to a different degree. Like, how are you going to track this back to the to to where it originally sourced from? And to some extent, people should be tracking this back to where it originally sourced from and trying to, you know, at least do some sort of justice for whoever fell victim to this. Because, like, I mean, to some extent, this could just be a catfish situation where this person was pretending to be Velveteen Dream, or it could be Velveteen Dream. Who knows? So Dave's answer is actually correct. What I don't like is just ringside news in general because they do this with every topic and basically all they do is copy and paste out of the Observer newsletter and they have actually no opinion. They're just fucking clickbait headlines that I think is garbage. And whether you want to say that or not, I don't know. But I'll say that. I think your fucking website's oh, they're, they're, they are They are cosmic book news or, or screen rants to movies and comic books. They're, they're, they're a joke. They're a fucking laugh. Um, I will say two things before we get out of this. First, the, the initial hack, uh, the statement that was made on, like I said, on Reddit from the person uh, saying, was Velveteen Dream hacked? And then the post says he posted on his Instagram story that his DMs were open, and now he's generally sending my friends messages of sexual nature. I like to think it's a hacker, but I don't know. How do I begin to approach this? How do I contact WWE? Um, I have proof. And then she posted the picture, but blurred out uh, this, you know, his private area. And then Velveteen Dream's response to all this, like we were talking about earlier, Dream said, and I mean, I, I hear this in Velveteen's Dream's voice, not meaning to, but be assured I did not communicate inappropriately with anyone. A private photo of mine was shared without my consent or knowledge. And I'm working with a third party to look into this matter. So there you go. That's that's pretty much it. Um, it's all we, we have. I will. Yeah, exactly. Like we can't be too quick to. This isn't like I said. This isn't the same. This isn't a scenario where you can be quick to to bury someone because it is just hearsay on Reddit, right? Yep. Yep. This is this isn't someone actively going to the police and pressing charges. This is just a internet thing. So we'll see, I guess. But I just fucking ringside news is so terrible. Dave. Terrible, man. <laughs> terrible. I can't stand. I mean, like we should, look. We we like Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer, and we talk about them, but we also shit on them too. So this isn't just like one side is perfect. Or they're one news source that is perfect. We're not Fox News, CNN news kind of fucking shit. But at least have an opinion and don't just cite someone else and then misuse their quotes. Oh, and, and, and the thing things. is, and the thing is, I I high I, I put a higher regard, even if I don't always agree with them, with Brian Alvarez, with Dave Metzler, with Wade Keller, with Solomonster, with Raj Geary from Wrestling Inc. Certain people, they have garnished my respect by positive either telling something blatantly like this is a rumor but blah 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 or just being honest and being sourceful and actually being able to to have credible information that they back up a lot of other a lot of the other ones i don't and also bleacher report i'll give bleacher reports writers uh some kudos and up rocks but they pretty much just take the news and kind of recycle it too so I mean, I will say this for anyone that's listening that is a wrestling writer. Wrestling fans just love wrestling. You don't need a salacious, like a salacious 
rumor. You just fucking say, like, look what Velveteen Dream did. And then every Velveteen Dream fan will just click on that. Like, that's yep. wrestling. I just obviously, my biggest thing is I think that he's got so much potential and I wouldn't want a thing like this that ends up not being true to fuck it up uh, because WWE gets, you know, kind of worried about it. That's my biggest thing. Yeah, that's, um, any, my, any that's, 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 that's I mean, that's definitely a huge thing, but I also don't want his ring rust to fuck up. <laughs> His run yeah. currently. Not, I mean, just to be fair and throw that on Main Street, like I thought that Velveteen Dream was going to be big shit, and this could potentially damper it. I think he made the right statement, and if he comes out clean on this, what does that actually mean? Because like the Enzo Amore situation, while differently, he came out clean on that, but he's fucking basically blacklisted everywhere. Yeah. And he does run his mouth a lot more, but like. You get what I'm saying. Like, it's not, it's one of those things where if it happens to you, then it's not good. I'll agree. But we did need to cover that a bit, but um, just not act like that shit's not going on. So let's start off NXT. The episode opened by addressing the incident revealed on NXT Twitter account. So pre film stuff Finn Balor's actually not here anymore, he's over in Ireland. So they had to do what they had to do. Just weird that they publicize this ahead of time. Try to show us on something as small as Twitter that he's not going to be there. But either way, Finn Balor's belongings were ransacked in the locker room. Everything was destroyed. No one knew where the fuck Finn Balor is. Maybe those luchadors kidnapped him along with Raul Mendoza and DJZ. Probably not. Velveteen cut a promo on Balor, his scheduled opponent for the night, and uh, who was nowhere to be found. Adam Cole entered the venue. Accused Dream of trying to weasel his way into a title shot and said he would never get one. The Undisputed Era attacked Dream from behind. Bask in his glory. Keith Lee ran and saved Dream, and all the men brawled. The segment ended with Lee and Dream in the ring and the Undisputed Era on the retreat. And that would set up the match at the end. How did you like this opening? And the interaction that I think a lot of us have thought would be pretty cool between Velveteen Dream and Keith Lee. I love the opening. Um, man. It's, it's, I just don't know where, where do you think they're going to go with this, where Keith Lee ran in and saved Dream, right? So does this just equate to a tag match to lead up to Adam Cole? But you, I just, I mean, I get that they're limited roster, but where's the story go? Dude, you get me, you got me because this ended up with the tag match at the end, but Keith Lee got taken out because Undisputed Era thought they were being smart. And then of all fucking people, Samuel Shaw, a.k.a. Dexter Loomis, ended up helping Velveteen Dream because he has some unknown vendetta against the Undisputed Era. It's all over the place. And with Finn, I guess he's not over in the U.S. right now, so I, I guess he's not going to be on for a minute. Strange. I mean, they they did, didn't they – they did – all right, I'm trying to remember because I don't have the notes right up in front of me, but didn't they do something with Finn's, like, locker, basically? Or his purse, his man purse or bag or something? At the beginning of the show? Am I wrong on this? Or was this a Twitter no, thing? No, no, no. 
No, no, no. You're right. Um, at the at the beginning of the show, um, it's because, like I said, Finn is the the last episode was pre-recorded from beforehand when Finn was still here. I think he went back to Ireland. I'm almost positive, and he's not going to be over here. So they did this one live, and they had to figure out a way to get around the Finn Balor Velveteen Dream match. So he was taken out, quote unquote. Yeah, maybe just say he's not available. Just be honest with your audience, man. Is it really that hard to do? Well, you've already been honest with your audience. Didn't Triple H come out and go, hey, uh, it's Triple H. uh, During this time, we're still going to provide entertainment. Wasn't that like a whole fucking thing they did? You just be like, look, Finn Balor's stuck in Ireland. Sorry. Sucks, but it's what's happening. Um I just I don't get the I, I like the interaction with Keith Lee and Velveteen Dream and I think that'd be a fucking great match down the line. I just you know Keith Lee is a champion. He's not really feuding with anyone in this group, but he I mean he has in the past. Isn't he already locked into something with Dijakovic and some other people? Damian Priest. Damian Priest and Volter. Like he has like five storylines going for Keith Lee. He's only one man. <laughs> you got to bask in his glory. All right, so let's keep on going. Uh, Ron- Ronkel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai uh, went against um, Chatsy Blackheart and Tegan Knox, and Gonzalez beat uh, Blackheart after hitting a one-arm powerbomb. So this just keeps, keeps the feud going. Tegan didn't take the loss. Chatsy can kind of get it. You know, Raquel's basically Dakota Kai's diesel, so she got a win. She's doing that cool one-arm powerbomb thingy, but um, this only has so many miles in it. So we got we got to we got to figure out where we're going with Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox. Do you agree? Agreed, 100. Um, percent I like the I like the finish of this match. The one that one-armed powerbomb, I should say, which kind of looks like a jackknife to me a little bit, but. Uh, was great. I don't necessarily like Shotzi taking losses because I feel like she's super over with the fans. At least I'm a fan, so she's super over with me. Just kidding. Um, has yeah. I mean, I thought the match was pretty fucking good, honestly. I I'm just trying to figure out where the end goal is. Still Dakota Kai versus Tegan Knox. Why do they do this on NXT so much, where everything is a tag match? Is Teddy Long in the back, saying holla, holla, holla. Holla, holla, holla. Probably. I would assume uh, that. All right, so we got to um, we got told that the main event, like I said, was going to be Keith Lee and the Velveteen Dream going against Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. We had a video package about Drafe Maverick, the one that we were talking about, Chris. Um, just you know, emphasizing this might be his last set of matches and that he's going to really work hard in the cruiserweight division. And uh, it was a package about his career, basically. That's why a lot of people found it strange that if he is leaving, they would kind of do this. But at the same time, it doesn't make a lot of sense. How did you like this package with Drake Maverick? So, I mean, for the most part, we kind of taught, we kind of already addressed my feelings on this. I'm not going to spend too long on it, but it's one of two things. Either they were too lazy to edit the taping that they had already done 
or they're going to use Drake Maverick in some way if he wants to resign. It could be either at this point. Who the hell knows? I like the match a lot. Um, I'm surprised that Jake Atlas got a win here over Drake Maverick, who I think is probably, you know, more fans know. But, you know, it was it was a very good Cruiserweight tournament match. I think all the Cruiserweight matches, I'm going to go ahead and say this, were very, very solid. Um, the Kushida match with Tony Nese, as expected, was a fucking banger, which we'll talk about next. But like, just to relate back to the Drake Maverick thing, it's very sad, the situation he's in. Hopefully, if he's going to get rehired, rehire him back properly and give him a run, maybe as a cruiserweight champion or something, don't just rehire him back and then have him take losses. I know this is round robin, but like I, I have, like I said, I, I'm not that familiar with Jake Atlas and his work, I should say. I, I will say I was very impressed by Jake Atlas. I don't know him that well at all. Um, I know that he is a, a very openly gay um, man, uh, you know, and I think the first one in NXT. Uh, and he visually, I don't, I don't know what his what his uh, ethnic background is. He looked a lot like Steamboat to me. He had he had elements uh, visually, at least, of Steamboat. But the most impressive thing was that cartwheel DDT that he did. I thought that was fucking awesome. I've never, I'm sure someone's done it. In fucking, you know, some wrestling place in Singapore or some shit like <laughs> that. But the Cartwheel DDT, he calls the LGBDDT, I thought was pretty awesome. Nice little finisher. Different, uh, innovative. But uh, yeah, Maverick got a loss. It was a super cool fucking spot for sure. I have never seen that before. And like I said, I'm not that familiar with Dick Atlas, so I, I don't know any of his indie background or anything. But um it's a cool spot. I thought it was a very fun match. Just the Drake Maverick thing that was looming over its head made it a bit weird. I agree. All right, so then we had another interim NXT Cruiserweight Championship tournament match, which you were alluding to, Kushida and Tony Nese. And Kushida won by submission with the Hooverboard lock. Dude, Kushida, so awesome in that you can be such a good agile wrestler while being such a good technical wrestler at the same time. It's like they're on the top fucking rope. You know, about to jump off, he gets him in an arm bar real quick, brings him to the ground and a flip. Like, but these guys kick the living shit out of each other. Tony Nese is a past cruiserweight champion. We know he's good in the ring. And Kushida, I think, like they said, you know, is one of the people that most fans see could potentially win this. And I, I would, that's what, that's my pick, actually. So, uh, Kushida won against Tony Nese, uh, by submission. And, uh, yeah, good shit. How'd you like this? Tony Nese and Kushida are fucking awesome. This was a great match and probably one of my favorite matches of all of Wednesday night. So I loved it. And uh, I like that he got a win by submission. I think that's great. And uh, I just really miss Alex Shelley with them together as a tag team. We'll just continue that thread throughout the rest of this podcast's existence. (laughs) All right, let's go over a couple of promos that we had uh, or backstage vignettes, I should say. First, we had an interview with Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher, and they talked about their new partnership. And basically, Timothy said, which I kind of like this. It's, if you're going to represent the team, just be a part of like a cool trio. But he's holding this until Pete Dunn gets back. I wonder what that's going to cause. But Timothy Thatcher just went – he's not the greatest on the mic. He just comes off intimidating, and his teeth are all kind of um, 
well, messed up a bit. So he 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 just gives me a Benoit vibe uh, visually. And just his responses to Matt Riddle were fucking hilarious. Matt Riddle's like, when I look in your beautiful blue eyes, and he's like, I have brown eyes, Matt. <laughs> just just stupid, like, uh, Matt Riddle's fucking hilarious. So uh, they're partners now, and it's another type of person, like a Pete Dunne, someone that's extremely, you know, straight-laced, but whoops ass and is, is more about a technical wrestling. And then you got Matt Riddle, who's all kicks and... You know, that's what they kind of describe them as. One's the grappler, one's the striker. So uh, good stuff. Um, I'm wondering when they're going to have their match against Stokely Hathaway's guys since they attacked the shit out of Matt Riddle. Um, or maybe did they already fight them? I, mean, I think that was another tag. No, that was Undisputed Era. How, how did you like this interaction backstage? Fucking hilarious. Matt Riddle's great. And Timothy Thatcher was also great here. I have a question for you, though. Yes. Timmy, Timothy Thatcher is going to fuck over Matt Riddle, right? He's going to beat so, the absolute though. shit out of him and then maybe, in quotations, injure him. And then that's when Pete Dunne comes back because that's how I would book this. Oh, Pete man. Pete Dunne comes back as the bro. He's like, you hurt my bro. And then that's the feud. And then Pete Dunne's like the ultimate baby face of all time. And everyone loves Pete Dunne anyways. God, and their, their chemistry, man, would be like Fit Finley and fucking William Regal. That would be awesome. I would love that. Definitely. That would be some awesome catch wrestling. Um, yeah, so here's, here's a, here is a couple, uh, like I said, vignettes that we'll kind of break up together. But we had a, a vignette where Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae are sitting at a table. Candice uh, made a beautiful meal for him and Gargano, and they just kind of start – they have like these weird split scenes where it kind of goes into black and white when they're about to like really trash talk. Um, but basically they, they, their goal is to be the first um, women's uh, heavyweight champion and men's heavyweight champion at the same time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. They're going to have to work on it because they're both such good baby faces, but I like the purple in cancel race hair. I just don't know if the segment itself Maybe really care about it. We had another video package hyping up Io Shirai going against Charlotte Flair for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And then we had uh, the dejected Drake Maverick was interviewed on the stairs because about the uh, the tournament loss, and he was not 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 happy about it. So how'd you feel about the vignette with Johnny Gargano and Candice, uh, Io Shirai's package building up for her and Charlotte, and then Drake Maverick? Uh, I think he was crying again. I was I was laughing when you said beautiful dinner <laughs> with Candice Lairy and Johnny Gargano because for whatever reason I pictured you as Matt Hardy going yes yes uh, beautiful <laughs> uh, I, I think that promo is fine I just don't know where they're going with either of those characters I'm not sure that they know either but it's okay I'll say that I I, I want to give them time to flesh that out a little bit more but. Nothing about it was bad. I mean, it's just a, it was like a dinner scene, right? So it's, it's whatever. Uh, the Io Shirai Charlotte Flair package I like a lot. I think they're really good at this. This is something that like the main roster needs to get better at is their video packages. Like they need to channel their inner like Rock versus Austin with Limp Biscuit in the background video packages that they used to have back in the day. Um, but like, I think these video packages on NXT are great. I like this, and I'm really excited for that batch. And then the Drake Maverick thing, 
I mean, I think we buried it at this point. We talked about it so much. So, um, as far as the interview goes, it was fine. Yep, I agree. All right, so Mia Yim defeated uh, Jesse uh, Kamei or Kami. Uh, after the match, uh, Flair entered and asked Yim if she accepted her offer for a title match. Yim said she would be honored. Uh, they talked about, you know, Charlotte talked about how much uh, Mia being, you know, uh, more of a veteran, obviously, being Jade and Impact previous, really took her under her wing and helped her out. And uh, Flair thanked Yim for helping her uh, make her or become a star and that she was a great in-ring hand, which is a backhanded compliment in wrestling, if you didn't know that. Um, and that she would love to make her a star next week. So it was kind of a... Charlotte being a dick, but uh, doing her own thing about it. So that should be an awesome match. Are you excited about Mia Yim versus Charlotte Flair? I am to some extent, but is that match ever going to happen? Because you could just put the title on Neo Shirai and then move Charlotte back up to the main roster because they need her on the main roster. And, and I think we talked about this last week. I'm not... I'm not 100% sure that Charlotte Flair is not going to lose, and then Mia Yim might just get left out <laughs> to dry for a little bit. Yeah. But uh, Charlotte versus Mia, yeah, fuck, that'd be good. It'd be a good match. Especially, yeah. I think the Charlotte promo was, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, where she specifically mentioned like Mia and her upbringing and, and background and played into that character, which, by the way, Charlotte's fucking amazing once again. Um I, that would be a good match. I, I'm still weird on Charlotte because I don't like, is she a heel? Is she a baby face? She's fighting me again in theory. Who's a baby face? And EO is supposed to be a heel. And what is Charlotte? <laughs> just the Charlotte's best. Charlotte, man. Yeah. Charlotte's just Charlotte, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that too, but I think that if she has a big publicized match with Io Shirai and they had that ladder match where Io won, this kind of the writing's on the wall. Mia's gonna lose. There's no way, you know, they, it would not make any sense to put it on Mia Yim if she has this big, you know, fight built up with Io Shirai, right? Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I say I think Mia might just get left to the side because there is, I mean, you have to think they want to move Charlotte back up to the main roster unless Charlotte just doesn't want to travel anymore. Unless she's just like, no, fuck it, I'm only gonna do. In it, which right now it doesn't matter, but maybe that's I, I have no idea. I I think it's a great idea to have her there, and she has some really interesting matches, and the the female division in NXT is flourishing, so it's probably the right person to have there. But uh, as far as Mia Yim, I I don't know. I I mean, if Charlotte beats her, then I would assume that Charlotte would also beat Mia, and then they have to figure out who's next, which I would think was Bianca Belair, but they're doing fuck all with her, so. I, I don't know. Well, someone I don't think they're doing fuck all with is a new wrestler, a part of NXT, um, a veteran for AAA, MLW, Impact, El Hilo del Fantasmo, a.k.a. also in Lucha Underground, um, King Chiarto. Uh He had his first match against Jack Gallagher. I just have to say, to start off things, I like the old match, but I think it was too much on the uh, the Phantom concept. Like, it looked exactly like the Phantom's mask uh, from the comic books and stuff. But this new one's really cool. It kind of gives me a King Kierto mixed with his El Phantasma mask. And I like him presented in a suit. There's something about a luchador in a suit 
and all of his vignettes. He just looks like a badass. And just like King Kierto, he's not the biggest dude, but for some reason the 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 gravitas he gives off makes him seem like that much bigger of a uh, wrestler. But he went against Jack Gallagher. They had a good match. Jack Gallagher's got this new tough guy tattooed everywhere thing going, but he lost, and uh, El Hilo Don Fantasma uh, picked up the win. So uh, good stuff, uh, good showing for this uh, new NXT uh, roster member that I'm very much looking forward to. Chris, how'd you like this match? Very much looking forward to him as well. And I, I, I agree with you. I think the mask is great. You just channeled your inner Brody Lee. You're like, Lucha should have suits on. And then you made fun of every other Lucha that didn't have a suit on, basically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Probably exactly what it is. All right, so Yim and Flair for the NXT Women's Championship and Lee and Priest for the NXT North American Championship were promoted for next week. We saw that during the commercial, the masked men who have been kidnapping people in the parking lot tried to abduct Phantasma, but he fought them off. And I thought that was pretty awesome. Like, no offense to DJZ and uh, Realm Mendoza, but this guy's like, no, 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 man. I'm too much of a badass. So I think they're building up pretty strong. How'd you like that segment? I thought it was really, really good, honestly. And I like Phantasma a lot. And uh, I'm excited to see where that goes even though I'm not necessarily a huge fan of it always being Lucha versus Lucha in WWE. All right, and our final match, Velveteen Dream and uh, Keith Lee going against Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. Right off the bat, Priest attack Lee um, because they're having a match next week for the title, hurting him enough that he was taken out of the match. Dream began to wrestle essentially a handicap match against both Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. And out of nowhere, Dexter Loomis appeared on the apron during the match and stared silently at Dream. Dream eventually tagged Loomis, and the ref allowed Loomis to compete. The match ended after Dream pinned Cole with the Purple Ringmaker for the win. Dream's got a win over Adam Cole. That's one thing in this. Dexter Loomis, he's got this weird obsession that was shown when he showed up at the last match with Undisputed Era. What the fuck's going on with that? And uh, I never thought that he'd be positioned in some ways, I guess, as a baby face in this. What is Dexter Loomis's intentions? He is becoming one of my most like one of the most intriguing wrestlers on NXT right now. And those style wrestlers usually do well for themselves. But um, just interesting with him and uh, Velveteen Dream celebrating at the end. How would you like this match? And where do you think they're going with Dexter Loomis against the uh, Undisputed Era? So I thought the match was very, very good. Um, I I will say the Dexter Loomis character is intriguing to the standpoint of what, what you were kind of getting alluding to. We don't know where he is. Like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he going to come out next week and murder Velveteen Dream? Like, it doesn't... He's not really set. It's more like he just only has his eyes on the Undisputed Era, which I wonder if it's going to lead up to some kind of breakup eventually of undisputed air because i think it may have ran its course and maybe they're looking at moving some of those people but i've been saying that for a year so i could be completely wrong but either either way i'm super into like i still hate the name but i'm super into dexter loomis as a character and as a wrestler i think he's fucking phenomenal and i i thought the match was very good and it was nice to see velteen dream get a win over adam cole because that's your kind of your money match well it was we'll see we'll see what happens 
You know, the funny thing is that I was talking to Hoyt uh, about Dexter Loomis, and he, same thing, like, you know, he's a very intriguing wrestler. And I, the way I described him, it doesn't make any sense because I was like, he's like Jake the Snake Roberts, but really creepy version of him. And Hoyt was like, isn't Jake the Snake Roberts a really creepy person no matter what? I go, no, 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 no. He's even – he's got – he's like unhinged. And he said, well, Jake Roberts is unhinged. And I'm like, no, motherfucker. This is this is Jake the Snake Roberts stylistically, like that same type of way that, that that's methodical that, that he kind of does in the ring. But he's even creepier than him. And that's one thing, if he can live up to that. But he is those eyes, man. They 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 bother you. They kind of like just look through your fucking soul. Yeah, I mean Jake the Snake always just came off like a Texas badass you wouldn't fuck with in a bar to me. That maybe goes to some weird church that has snakes. No, he didn't have that like to... Bruiser Brody style look to him, or Cactus Jack, or or Brian Pillman. You know when he was a loose cannon, like that type of something's wrong with me sort of look. Yeah, so what I'm getting at is Loomis has this other thing where you might think this man is a serial killer kind of thing, which is what you're going for, right, with yeah. that character. Whereas Dick the Snake just seemed like a badass Texas redneck that probably went to a snake church to some extent. Do you think that Loomis is going to wear people's clo- uh, people's skin as clothing eventually? I hope so. Hopefully he murders the fiend down the line and puts on the mask. <laughs> <laughs> that, would be, that would be pretty great you know because they're never going to give us like oh he actually cut his face off and put it on but he could take the fiend's mask and put the fiend's mask on and he could do some really cool shit there the only problem is like killer cross is also there yeah and you still have the demon and you still have the fiend and you have these mystical characters and the only one that i think is to me is really resonating is the loomis character to some extent, and it's just because almost his weird infatuation with the Undisputed Era. So I hope they flesh that out, but I think it's really good TV for NXT, I'll say that. Alright, really good uh, TV for NXT. Who lost this week, lost their their, their two weeks in a row uh, to AEW in the ratings, but it was once again close, but um, another great show, like I just said, the winner of Wednesday night, AEW Dynamite, started off with Cody in what looked like a fucking Batcave. It had a bunch of different screens, uh, and it was going over all the people that are involved <laughs> with the TNT uh, title match. And I liked what he said about all of them, his brother being the veteran, and, and you know, the, uh, the Lance being the murder hawk, and, and Darby being this enigma, and, and kind of talking about how hard they are going to be for him to be able to beat within this um and then questioning the place his place among them he said that critics of AEW will continue to move the goal post and he's not worried about that and then it started with both tony and chris jericho on commentary and once again one of the greatest commentary groups that we never knew we needed between the two of them but uh how'd you like this opening in the back cave i mean the cody cave <laughs> I like the Cody cave and it, it, for some reason, now that you've called it that it reminds me of like the fact that Ben Affleck was such a huge Batman fan that he built in like secret rooms into his house that he eventually sold to Kevin Smith, which just still makes me laugh to this day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I fucking like, I mean, Cody's a great promo. 
he's been really good for a long time and and the moving the goalpost is a good comment for his character because in theory he's going to win this tournament for this title but the end goal is still probably mjf and to get back to the top somehow i just want to know how he's ever going to be able to challenge for the top title again which is very intriguing. I think great story writing. I like the intro, and like you said, fucking as soon as they come back in, Jericho's like, basically, what an asshole. <laughs> like, he didn't say that, but he definitely insinuated that he still hates Cody, which I love, because that, that feud is kind of still going. But Chris, so good at being a heel, being a dickhead, making fun of people, but then also building them up, even if he doesn't like them, like when he did with Darby Allen after he beat Sammy Guevara. Chris, very, very good on commentary. I have to say that, and especially mixed with Tony Schiavone, them laughing with each other. It's 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 good stuff. It's it's a lot like if it's like Chris watched a whole fuck ton of Jim Cornette and Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary and was like, you can be an asshole, but still put the guy over. Yep. <laughs> I agree. All right, so we had our first match. Darby Allen going against Sammy Guevara to move on to the uh, TNT Championship Tournament match. Um, this might have been my favorite match of the, of the evening between the two shows. This was definitely... These guys... Both matches have been awesome. I think Darby's won both of them. But on the pay-per-view match, it started off with Sammy Guevara on the outside and Darby Allen gets in the ring and then just does a running fucking suicide dive and nails him. And then they went through that table spot where uh, where Sammy did the, uh, the uh, 360 and said, I'm crazy. You know, pretty much built the exact same way. But this time, Sammy gets the heads up over Darby Allen. Uh, you know, comes out with a Topicon Hilo while he's coming down the ramp. Darby Allen's so good, too. A lot of wrestlers, when they know a spot's happening, of someone jumping, you know, out to them, they'll you can tell they're paying attention to that. They're trying to make sure that they catch the person. Darby Allen made it look like he had no idea, and then, boom, out of nowhere, he catches Sammy, and they start just beating the shit out of each other. Sammy grabs a fucking plastic and steel blue ladder, puts Darby on it, and does, I think, a backflip. I, I can't remember it, if it was a swan time bomb or, or a backflip on it, but just completely annihilates himself and Darby Allen, smacking his head against it. And then they finally got in the ring. They, they, they got going. These are two of the best that they have, I think. Uh, they're, just, they're, they're both incredible wrestlers. And Darby Allen would win because of his intensity, um, pinning Guevara with the Last Supper. And I got to put over the Last Supper, man. You start off with a scorpion death drop, you drop forward and invert it into an Indian death lock inverted, and then you move your leg over their leg and then basically, you know, pin them. It's not meant for submission. It's actually meant for pinning. No one has done a fucking roll-up style move like that since the Oklahoma roll with fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, uh, Danny Hodge in the fucking 50s. Like, so innovative, so awesome. Both guys, mwah. Two of my favorite wrestlers right now in the game. And Darby Allen moves on for the TNT Championship Tournament match. Uh, how did you like this match, Chris? I thought they gave us this match for free. This should be a pay-per-view match. Again, they're so great. They're both so fucking great. Such great characters. Sammy Guevara. And I think I was talking to you about this. When he first came out, we were just like, eh, 
I mean, when he joined the inner circle, it like went to a new level on AEW for me. Everything he does, he's so great at selling. He's so good at making sure whoever is around him, he is putting over, whether he's getting key or not, he is still making sure that he is adding something to the match, and it's incredible. And Darby Allen just has this incredible fucking presence that's was so unexpected. Um, even after watching the wrestlers documentary, which I've talked about before, he was one of the people, Austin theories, another one in the same episode with Gabe Sapolsky, um, kind of knowing like Darby's background and, and kind of what he was able to accomplish and how fucking good he is in the ring. And this last supper finisher is great. The only other roll up finisher I can think of because you threw it out there would be like a sunset flip, which people used a lot. And the other the other one right offhand is like that weird Colt Cabana Superman pin, which sucks. Yeah, <laughs> this one is definitely one of the this, better ones. This for is sure. way cooler, <laughs> way fucking cooler. And I, I mean, I like Colt I, Cabana. I just hate that fucking finisher. <laughs> I always have. <laughs> I just I, I Jr. is the one who brought up the El Plumeroll thing because he was on the uh, post show with Taz and um and uh, what should we call it uh. God dang it, the Luchador, Excalibur, and um, he's like, he's like, they, he used he used a friggin' pin maneuver. It's like the only person is my friend Danny Hodge. He used to do the Oklahoma roll against someone, but yeah, sun, Sunset Flip. Uh, there are other ways, but like actually, I mean, it looks like it would be a badass submission if you wanted to use it like that. But he's doing what he wants. But the one thing, I mean, these both these guys. You know, Sammy has been taken under Chris Jericho's wing, and you can tell that that's great stuff. Between, you know, Jericho, between, you know, uh, JR, many wrestlers have said, and we've said this a million times, young Shawn Michaels, like circa 94, young Eddie Guerrero, circa 96. That's how he's get coming off stylistically, and he's getting top by Jericho. Then you have Darby Allen, who, from JR to to uh, what you call it, to Cody, young Jeff Hardy, young Sting, and Cody has been taking him under his wing. These guys are getting set up to be two of the biggest wrestlers of their generation. I say that every fucking week, and I, I mean it, it. It's it's so weird because they're so different. So Darby has this natural charisma, not saying he's not great in the ring or anything, but he has this fucking natural charisma where it seems like Sammy does kind of have the Chris Jericho aspect where he is working his ass off to get over in whatever he does, whether it's the fucking bubbly bunch or if he's just like yelling about the <laughs> fact that Dean Ambrose showed up somewhere like it, he's putting. And the funny thing was, is I listened to the wrestling figure podcast with Chris Jericho earlier. I, I said it to you. And um, one of the things I think it was Kurt Hawkins that said, it, he was like, yeah, the, uh, Sammy Guevara, he he reminds me of you a lot. And Jericho fucking chuckled, which is really funny to think about because that is the comparison it draws. And and it's because, I mean, one, it's because they're in a group together, but it is also because Sammy Guevara is almost as ridiculous as Jericho whenever he's outside of the ring. Like, watch Jericho be outside of the ring and anything, especially, like, the list Jericho. That is, like, the level that Sammy Guevara is committed to whatever he's doing when he's doing it. And it's awesome. But Darby Allen is he it's the mystique. It's it natural charisma. It's just something you can't teach. It's gonna be really fun to see these guys 
down the line. And Jericho did say that he also, likes... Also, the reckless abandonment. You know, he doesn't give a shit if he fucks himself up, man. Darby, that's what that's also part that reminds a lot of people of Jeff Hardy. Is he's not, man. Like, think about it. When he did that suicide dive, and when he does suicide dives, he doesn't put his hands out. He goes out and does head first into the fucking people. Like, what the hell? That is definition of reckless abandonment. Well, in the wrestler's documentary, he was basically taking a shovel to the head, and the shovel wasn't dull on one side and cut his arm open, and he immediately had to go to the hospital because he was basically bleeding out because uh, it cut like an artery. Like, the guy is incredible, and that goes back, I think it was PWG that he was in. The original, like, Hands Behind Your Back that he did with Chris Jericho, he did that in PWG, too. So that's not like a, a crazy spot. And, and Orange Cassidy kind of stole it a little bit. He does it with it in, in his pockets. But Darby Allen's fucking uh, incredible athlete, incredible wrestler. He does have a reckless abandon. I'm going to be curious on where Sammy Guevara is two years from now. Because eventually him and Jericho in the inner circle will split. And if that's not a feud, I don't know what the fuck is. Oh, uh, student versus teacher? Different. And he kind of brought that up on the podcast. He's like, the thing that makes what Jericho basically said is the thing that made me different as a wrestler is I didn't only want to work with the stars. He's like, I do want to work with younger people. He's like, I love wrestling with the stars, but he's like in AEW right now. He's like, I would like Darby Allen. That's fun. Like he named off a uh, uh, God. What is Luke Perry's son's name? Jungle Jack. Jungle Boy. Jungle Jack, Jungle man. Boy. Another one. And he named Another off a bunch one. of young people that he wants to work with. So if the end goal is like Sammy Guevara and Jericho have a feud or Darby Allen and Jericho have a feud, it'll be great. And uh, right now they're doing the Matt Hardy thing. That's going to be really fun, too. Like we're going to get, in theory, Matt Hardy versus or broken Matt versus Sammy Guevara and then normal Matt versus Jericho. Who the hell knows? I guess we're getting into that next. <laughs> Yeah, that's the craziness. All right, so, like you said, Matt Hardy cut a promo on Chris Jericho from his compound. He started his broken uh, Damascus persona uh, and then became the regular Matt Hardy and cut a normal promo on him. And basically, like you were saying, like, you know, saying that he wants to take on Sammy Guevara if, if Chris Jericho, the whole of ass or whatever the hell, um, would not be able to make it, but just jumped to the Matt Hardy and kind of said like him and Chris Jericho, they've had heat before. They've been friends before they broke bread, but he's willing to kick his ass if he has to. And this kind of reminded me of, uh, and Taz, it sucks. He remembered trying to ask this question. JR had to leave early, but he wanted to ask him like, does this kind of remind you of the, the three faces of Foley and the fact that we're allowing this guy to kind of have different personas, both, you know, on the same segment, I thought it was awesome, and uh, I'm really looking forward to do this. Whatever they're doing, what if it's Spanish God versus Brooke and Matt Hardy, or Matt Hardy versus Chris Jericho on the compound, should be interesting. It's it's such a great promo, and the thing that makes me like it even more is it's a good Matt Hardy, not broken Matt Hardy promo. It's a very old school wrestling promo that Matt Hardy cuts, but it's great. And I hope 
that we get both matches. We get broken <laughs> Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara on the count compound. And then Jericho only accepting the vessel, as Matt Hardy would call it, uh, to wrestle him in the ring. I think that's a very, very fun storyline. And it is cool to see Matt be able to... But, I mean, me and you've known for a while that Matt, with this character, has taken off and ran with it and been pretty fucking great. Uh, but it's just embarrassing the WWE gave him that huge ass pop at WrestleMania and did nothing with this guy. Like, I mean, they threw the tag team titles on the Hardys, but this is Matt Hardy's next level shit, bro. I agree. All right. So since I don't remember when they went over the package, I'm going to assume it's around here and we'll talk about being the elite, the 200th episode and the match with Matt and Nick Johnson around their two houses. Um, you know, I, I didn't think I wanted a Falls Count Anywhere match, Chris, and this definitely had some cinematic stuff and some tomfoolery, <laughs> but being the elite, you get what you paid for. That's always been their, their type of concept. They can do shit like this. And they still had a pretty fun, competitive match. But this sucks. If we keep on going in order, you got this. We'll, we'll put the Undertaker AJ match. We'll put we'll put the Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano match. We'll put the John Moxley uh, Jack Hager match. All of them way more entertaining and shorter than Edge and Randy Orton, and they didn't have to do as much. <laughs> and that's what well, really that's... really sucks. Um, but I thought this was awesome, man. I thought all the spots were r- ridiculous. Some of the bumps they took. Um, the fake blood I could have done without, but whatever. Uh, I like the, I, I think it was making fun a bit of the, the Firefly Funhouse where, you know, Nick went into his, his merch freak. Um, he's been, he's been doing like a making fun of Christopher Angel thing and he puts Matt into a different realm in which they're at the barbershop and he's dressed like Marginetti in his gear and Nick is dressed like Shawn Michaels with his earring and then puts him through the window just really creative stuff, um, and I love the part where Matt's like, you try to kill me, you try to drown me, like, you fucking weirdo, and eventually Matt got the win over Nick Jackson. Uh, like I said, lots of high spots. I'm probably forgetting some of the cool, unique things they came up with, but uh, Brandon Cutler getting all that, uh, that, that video footage for them. thought this was a lot of fun, and uh, Dave Metzler commented that he believes not the last episode of Being the Elite, but it could be evolving into something very, very different. And this could be the last episode of that said product. So uh, this could be it for uh, being the elite. Did you like the 200th episode and a match that we can throw on this, uh, the match between Matt and Nick Jackson for who was the Supreme Jackson brother. (laughs) I still don't know who the Supreme Jackson brother was. It was a great match. It was really fun to watch. I think I do have a little wear and tear after seeing so many of these video matches and watching that Taker one, like, I guess four times now at this point, because people keep telling me I'm missing something of how this is the greatest fucking Taker match. Or I mean, outside of the Sean stuff, I, I just keep getting that commentary. I keep watching it. And I'm like, it's pretty good, but like, it's not like, you know, it's not fucking phenomenal, even though the phenomenal one was there. Um, so there's a little bit of, uh, I guess just I'm tired of of that to some extent. 
Um, but it was fun. I mean, it's it it rounds out the elite very well. Um, I'm trying to remember back because I I watched it earlier today. I only got to watch it once. Did there was no mention of Adam Page? Am I right on that? No, no, not in this one. But they they've definitely talked about him recently. So I think like maybe the swerve is an Adam Page show that is still kind of like being the elite, but from Adam Page's standpoint, which I think is good for the character and good for the show, because I, I feel like people are behind Adam Page and you're always the hero of your own story, etc. I think that could be fun. There's a lot of stuff they can do with being the elite. Now, I don't watch it every week. I do try to keep up with it. Um, some of it's very silly. There were some great moments. The the merch shop or the <laughs> Firefly Funhouse, as you, you called it, or people are comparing it, was pretty great. And and Matt and Nick Jackson, they're just fucking incredible athletes at this point. I, I you know, anyone that still is calling them spot monkeys now, just just don't. He sold his back the whole entire goddamn time. He got hit in the fucking back with a shovel for Christ's sakes. It, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they do. Like it doesn't matter. If they have a great match with the Golden Lovers. They're still gonna be those people that are like. Oh, they can only fucking do spots. And I'm just like, they wrestle Dusty Rhodes and Cody Rhodes, who can do pretty much zero spots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Cody's got the run, launch up the uh, the top turnbuckle and, you know, uh, double axe handle to the outside. And Dustin now does the, uh, whatchamacallit, the Canadian Destroyer. That's their yeah. That's their big spots. Which requires the other person to be able to do the spot, basically, <laughs> with the Canadian Destroyer. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, in general, I thought it was fucking a lot of fun. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, all right, so we had Kenny Omega going against uh, Atlanta Zone, Southern Honor Wrestling's big heel, Alan Angels. And, uh, you know... Taz and um, Excalibur talked about this. There was already immediately people were bitching about the fact that Kenny gave him so much, you know, offense, uh, especially because of some of the uh, the match we'll get to that were squash matches. But Alan Angel is a good wrestler. I'm glad they did. You know, I, I saw an awesome match with him in uh, Austin Theory over at Southern Honor Wrestling. And Omega eventually pu- uh, pinned Angels after hitting the second V-trigger. I thought it was awesome because Chris Jericho couldn't get his name right, was purposely screwing it up. Basically, at one point, was like, and if anyone gets offended, they can kiss my ass, you know, and have that attitude. And then Angels <laughs> screws over Kenny by pulling up the apron, you know, and, and Chris Jericho's like, what are they doing? Aren't they going to pull it out? And he makes him slip. He's like, I like this Alan Angels guy or Angles guy or whatever. You know, just <laughs> hates Pineapple Pete. You know, we saw him again in the audience, but a uh, cool match, especially, you know, to see a wrestler that, that you've you've seen, you know, within over here going against Kenny Omega. You can definitely put that on his highlight reel. And uh, Kenny Omega, best bout machine. Good shit. How'd you like it? I like the match a lot, and I have no problem with Kenny Omega selling because he's not at the top of the card right now. And they don't seem to be planning to have him at the top of the card. And if this is just a filler match. Whatever, man. He had a really good match with someone that's unexpected, and I thought it was fun. I thought the commentary was very fun. The apron spot was... You're spot on with Jericho's commentary. Um, I mean, he didn't even win with his finisher. He won with two V-triggers. So I think that Kenny's mindset is like, I'd never even hit my finisher. So 
So, like, I dominated this guy, even though I gave him a little bit of offense. I still dominated him because I did not have to put him in one angle. But not everyone's going to look at it like that. I think that's, like, a huge wrestling nerd thing to think about. But that's probably was probably his mindset because that's a very Japanese thing. Like if you don't, if you didn't even hit your finisher and beat the guy then you kicked his ass essentially, whereas in, you know, American wrestling, it's you hit seven finishers and finally the last time you hit the finisher, you win, I guess. I agree. All right. So next we had Scorpio sky package. Just going over the history of, of wrestling with him and how he suffered a pretty bad back injury, but miraculously, he started feeling better and better, uh, got in the best shape of his life, and then joined SCU. And once again, man, Scorpio Sky, I think, is going to be a future champion within here. Uh, and then we had Cody listening to Dustin Rhodes. This was on the, uh, the road to – I forgot what the pay-per-view is coming up, but their other YouTube station – where Dustin basically says that if he can't beat Kip Sabian, he's quitting, and how it'll be such a big deal for him uh, at a pinnacle of his career to win the TNT Championship, just making his brother look, feel bad, you know, and that's that's what Cody basically felt. How'd you like these two segments, Chris? I thought they were both good. Maybe I clipped out on the uh, the Cody segment. I, I don't remember the Dusty Rhodes voicemail, so I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. So maybe it, it I... was Dustin, not not Dusty. D- Dustin, sorry. Not, I, I didn't mean Dusty. Uh, the Dust, oh, okay. I, I, mi- I missed this completely. Um, the Scorpio Sky stuff I thought was very good, and, and as we've talked about in the past, he's he is someone I could see as a future star and, and is an absolute phenomenal wrestler, and there's so many fantasy matchups throughout any company, really that I would love to see Scorpio Sky in. So I, I like both package, or I like the Scorpio Sky package. Like I said, I, I don't think I must have just missed the Cody package. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, so Dustin's basically pulling the whole, if I can't beat him, then I, I'm not going on. You know, so basically saying if he didn't beat Kip tonight, he was going to quit. But obviously that didn't happen. Um, but yeah. So we had Orange Cassidy going against Jimmy Havoc. Uh, Penelope Ford attempted to interfere, but Chuck Taylor tried to pull her off the apron. She went down into a split instead, and Kip Sabian jumped and took out both Trent and Chuck. In the chaos, Cassidy managed to pin Havoc. Havoc and Kip Sabian attacked Cassidy after the match, but the best friends made the save. Uh, fun match uh, that kind of showed a little bit more of, of the, the, the rage within Orange Cassidy, I would say. Uh, but... Even though Jimmy Havoc didn't win, I think that he still kicked the shit out of him and ca- came out of nowhere, so it doesn't really make him look that bad. It, it was fun. It was fine. Uh, I think the person that stands out the most is Penelope Ford in all of this, out of all these guys, which I think says something. Uh, wh- how'd you like this match, Chris? I mean, I think the most over person is Orange Cassidy, but Penelope Ford is the one you can maybe hitch your trailer to. I, I agree with you. I thought it was a very fun match. Um I expected a little bit more from Jimmy Havoc as far as being a monster, I guess, with this being his first match on TV in a while. But outside of that, I mean, this is what, just a setup for, like, a best friends match? And they're maybe doing an intergender match with Penelope Ford versus Orange Cassidy? Because that's kind of what it feels like. And if so, I'm fine with that. I think that's, like, not, not a bad idea. 
So now we have Mr. MJF, uh, who appeared in front of his house and said he would explain why he hasn't been on wrestling at AEW Dynamite. He acted like he was going to cry and then announced he suffered a very bad hangnail. Uh, the camera backed up to reveal his arm in a sling with the blueberry <laughs> bandits around his little finger. Uh, we know that he's caught up right now um, over in New York and shit like that, but pretty fucking funny. I loved MJF. I love that he even went into detail of having a stupid, like, little blueberry fucking, you know, uh, Band-Aid on. I, funny as shit. Um, and then he pretended that Wardlow was going to take on someone next. So how'd you like this uh, this MJF promo? I thought it was fun, but that definitely was not his house. It looked like a courthouse or something. There's, like, a fucking random road cone and, like, <laughs> like street lights and open public parking. <laughs> But that also plays into Cody being like your fake rich, if you remember that. So I kind of like it. I liked it. I thought the promo was great. Wait, MJF is going to be a superstar. Um, Another one. He's, he's going to be stuck off TV, but he's such a good promo. He has so many of that old school heel wrestler that I love. He does the little things like the uh, pokes to the eye and just all the shit that I love about wrestling MJF does. So I think he's going to be phenomenal once he's able to get back there and i like that he did set up wardlow his bodyguard to uh go out and have this match and he did basically wardlow came out went against lee johnson and just kicked the living fuck out of him uh just what he did something off the second rope i can't remember he basically made him fall off the rope into like a uh go to sleep kicked him right in the face and then did the airplane spin what do they call it the f10 uh where he he just like launched him off of him uh wardlow it's probably because of a mark over the guy i think i've explained this to you Uh, i've explained this to the people beforehand uh but i was a big fan of 1998 um Wrath run, he kind of reminds me of Wrath, aka Brian Clark. So I'll just leave it at that. But uh, good squash match. Definitely think it helped him. He is a monster. Um, yeah. How, how did you like him, Chris? Christopher. Sorry, the mute button wouldn't work there on Skype. Apologize for all you guys. Um. I like Wardlow in this match. I mean, obviously, it was just straight squash. But they haven't really given us a whole lot outside of that. that uh, God, who do you, it was the Cody match, which I thought was incredible. And I actually said he saved Cody's life when Cody did that spot off the cage. Uh, I want to see more out of this guy. Because I feel like this could you, you could eventually go to, like, the Diesel bodyguard heel turn. Or, like, little baby face turn where he's just done with MJF shit. And uh, yeah. seems like he's a really good wrestler, honestly. After watching that match with him and Cody, and Cody's fucking great. Like, I'm not taking anything away. Like, sometimes it is your dance partner. But uh, he did save Cody's life. So <laughs> there's that. He actually caught a guy. That's important. Seems like a lot of people forget that they're supposed to catch the person that's jumping off some big tall shit. Or if they're going to throw them like a rag doll, make sure that they do it uh properly so they don't hurt themselves like Nia Jax. Um yeah, I'll take another shot at her. An ex football player was uh seen applying online at a dark order and then the video cut to an interview with Mr. Brody Lee. 
uh, talking about how vascular he looked and how he looked buff and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, asked him if he used to be a football player. He said yes, and Brody gave him a, a mask and welcomed him to the Dark Order. So we're going to be going by Mr. Brody. <laughs> what the fuck? All right, I'm, I'm stepping all the way into it. Just keep on doing it. Brody Lee defeated uh. Justin Lomp. Lee pin law after the lariat after the match he got in Marco Stunt's face again he looks like he's trying to recruit him they haven't had any of the other Jurassic Express people come out to try to like break this whole thing up so that's an interesting concept in the mix but I like Brody Lee I like this stuff I you don't have to be so on the nose with the WWE shit take it back a notch same character don't have to have every uh, to me, every vignette has something to do with a Vincism to me. What do you think, Chris? To some extent, I agree with you, but I feel like Vince deserves the roast this week. So, <laughs> Son <laughs> like, of a bitch. <laughs> but, I, I mean, the thing about doing this is the same thing WCW used to do, where when you point the aim at the competition – it makes people look up the competition. Yep. So continuously doing it, how long is the storyline going to last? Are you going to do it forever? And what does that mean for you as a character? That you're not, your character is based on a character, essentially. Because Vince McMahon is also a character to some extent. The vascular, um, all of that stuff is like Vince McMahon promos. So are you just like a bootleg Vince McMahon to some extent? I liked it. I thought it was funny, but I also get what you're saying, where you don't need to be spot on all the time and you don't need to always bring it up. We get it. He's supposed to be an evil McMahon, essentially, but you don't have to drive it home so hard. And uh, it's not the same kind of comedy to me that works as like a Matt Hardy or, or Jericho. It, this seems like a written thing where a bunch of people get in a room and just shit on Vince McMahon or something. Yeah, kind of agree with you. All right, so a backstage interview, best friends challenge Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc to a tag team match. I like how this this uh, happened because Trent Beretta was like, well, I want to fight Penelope, but of course I can't do that. So instead, we want to take on Kiff Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. It's like, all right, Trent. I was uh, glad you got yourself out of that one. Um, and then we have the new addition, Chris, of the Bubbly Bunch. Sammy Guevara was feeling down about the Inner Circle's recent loss, but the rest of the group encouraged him to be positive. Jericho suggested that they dance to cheer up. Santana suggested the Flim Flam, which is a big popular thing on TikTok, stuff that Flimflom, TikTok, I don't know any of that shit. Anyways, and Jericho said that whoever did the best job would get a bottle of hand sanitizer as a prize. Then they all danced. Jericho was mad that Sammy clearly won the contest, but he showed off by doing a backflip and throwing the hand sanitizer at the screen of the phone and saying, you know, basically telling him, telling him to fuck off. He was very angry about this whole entire thing. And I love the, the <laughs> detail of in the bottom corner, it doesn't say TikTok. It actually said, this is not TikTok. So uh, pretty pretty funny shit. I don't know anything about the Plim Flam, but, you know, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, how, how did you like the uh, Bubbly Bunch episode? Enjoy your sanitizer, Sammy. 
so dumb. It was the best. I thought it was fucking great. I mean, I wanted more Matt Hardy references just because that's what they're building to. But outside of that, it's <laughs> entertaining. And Jericho was amazing the entire episode. He's really put AW on his back, him and Cody, uh, to some extent. And they've both been fucking incredible. And it just further proves that, like, slowly but surely, Chris Jericho is going to creep into everyone's number one of all time. If he just mm-hmm. keeps doing what he's doing. He's great, man. So we had a uh, Kip Sabian Dustin package before the match uh, to find out who would advance in the tournament for the TNT championship. And we had Dustin Rhodes going against Kip Sabian for that said championship. Um, and basically Dustin Rhodes put his career on the line. And it was a lot of Penelope trying to get involved, but Brandy stopping her. For majority of it, but uh, finally Rhodes pinned Sabian with the code red after Sabian was distracted by Penelope Ford, Ford's uh, fight with Brandy Rhodes. And uh, yeah, Dustin Rhodes moves on, kind of saw that coming a bit, but uh, you know, cool for aspects of we might be getting him and Lance Archer, we might be getting another match with him and uh, whatchamacallit, Cody, it just all depends basically. So uh, excited about that. How'd you like the last match and the ending to AEW Dynamite, Chris? Well, I'm glad that now that I know it was a retirement match and Dustin Rhodes won, which brings a lot of importance to the match, which I fucking, I guess, just missed. Um, thought it was very good. Rhodes, uh, Dustin Rhodes still hitting Code Red or whatever you want to call it, is still pretty great. And, um, I want to know where the Penelope Ford thing is going. I guess that's the biggest question is, is she, I I feel like she eventually breaks away, right? She can do splits. (laughs) She can do splits. Is that what you said? She can do splits. Okay. Well, I I feel like she has to eventually break away from that group, right? Uh, Or am I crazy about that? Or is, I don't know. I, the match itself is really good. Dustin Rhodes continues to put out good matches um kip sabian i feel kind of sad for because he's being overshadowed by penelope ford in a lot of ways and maybe that's not what they actually intended it's true definitely is true all right so real quick just to wrap up so we're not going to go over smackdown guys there wasn't a lot of stuff uh, I will say that King Corbin, unfortunately, uh, went over Drew Gulak for qualification for the Money in the Bank, so he'll be in that. And Lacey Evans beat Sasha Banks, which I don't think a lot of us saw coming. And Lucha Harsh Party beat The Miz and John Morrison to advance for a title opportunity. So those are the crazy stuff. And at the end, we had a cool segment with Triple H for his 25th anniversary. Really humorous. Uh, Vince came out. Flair was over the phone. Uh, you know, and Shawn Michaels was all in there. And after Vince came out, started crying, you know, then started cutting Triple H down and then said, all right, that's it. And started cutting the lights. And Triple H is like, wait, that's it? That, that's how we're going to end this? Wait, is that the sound of crickets? And Shawn goes, yeah, like your career. And that was it. I thought it was a really funny way to end SmackDown. I'd recommend that. It wasn't that, that big of a show <laughs> other than that, honestly. And the wrestling was all right. But, um, I don't know. Did you get Did you get a chance to check this ending out? How'd you like it? 
I did, and I thought it was very, very fun. And it's almost like the boys eventually invited Vince McMahon into the clique, in quotations, which is kind of uh, great. I loved it when Ric Flair said, hey, make sure to watch out for Shawn Michaels trying to super kick you at the end of the segment. And Shawn's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, that was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, Vince, like, over-exaggerating crying was pretty good. I mean, Vince is still a he, good TV character to some extent. He, he also said that Bailey was off the hook with the This Is Your Life segment. He was giving uh, Triple H shit for that and the Katie Vick segment. And I was like, I had nothing to do with Bailey. So that's good for Bailey that she's has nothing to do with that terrible segment. But either way, <laughs> it was there. I would definitely recommend you guys watching the ending with Triple H. It just sucks that it was not in front of a big audience, and that was it. I mean, I will say the reviews of these are either scathing or loved it. Because the PW Torture review was like, this was awful, and WWE should never do this again. The uh, Uproxx was like, WWE has done a lot of bad and boring things, but this is one of the worst. Oh, and come on. I like, is it one of the worst? I thought it was just kind of a fun, dumb thing. I thought thing. it was charming. Like, I had fun with it. I thought Sean was hilarious in it. I thought him and the whole Stephanie, him and back and forth was funny. Some people need to like, and the fact that Triple H made fun of himself the most, and they're like, and he was literally they played crickets after they shut all the lights off. I thought it was hilarious. But, I mean, whoever uh, wrote whoever wrote this has apparently never seen the fucking Godly Googler, and the fact that that was built up for five <laughs> months because WWE's done a lot of bad things and boring things, but this is one of the worst. Uh, that this is your life with fucking Bailey and. Like that one's up there. Was it was Katie it Vick? No, 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 no. Was it Bailey and uh, Alexa Bliss? Where she oh, brought, yeah, like, yeah. Her high school boyfriend or whatever out. Like that. That's fucking wait. Like if you want bad wrestling, whoever wrote this up rocks article, get at me on Twitter. You can hit me at, at Chris R. Bad. <laughs> and I think that can be our ending for the show, guys. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening to another amazing episode of Wrestling East Alliance. We do the show, we record it, usually Thursdays and Saturdays, have the shows up by Fridays, late Saturday night, Sunday, so you guys can have that for your listening pleasures. Uh, go to our website, geekvibesnation.com. You'll find news for wrestling, comic books, movies, whole slew of different things, and then links to our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, if you want to listen to Wrestling East Alliance on any platform, we're on YouTube, we are on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, all those different ones. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance and join us every week. We definitely enjoy your listening um, to our product. We, we like hanging out with you guys. That's what I consider you guys, friends that we hang out with. Chris, say goodbye to all the good people and uh, plug anything you want. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we always appreciate it. Hopefully the show was entertaining, gave you a little bit of levity in, in today's society and everything that's going on in the entire world, even though I, I came to hate the statement. But uh, if you want to talk to me, if you want to talk about wrestling, you want to talk about sports, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter or Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook. Uh, Skates to Throat should be posted up later today. There's going to be some uh, some more content coming on if you're a hockey fan. And I also did a versus on Geek Vibes. So that's posted already on the YouTube channel. So check that out. And, uh, Dane, man, thank you so much. As always, I, I had so much fun doing the show with you, bud. 
Love doing the show with you too, buddy. And you can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves at Facebook. Message me. Join the conversation. Join Geek Vibes Nation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And all of you guys, just have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I also have a new episode of Monday Suck. Uh, check that out if you'd like. I had the uh, Kalina brothers on. We talked a lot about COVID. We talked a lot about movies. We had a good time. So check that out. And of course, have a great evening. Let the Geek Vibes be with you. And as always, peace out.